Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined as always by the man who once got upset when he got called a specky hot dog at the Trolley Boys Ball. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? I'm good. I just um, ate a Haribo in record speed there because uh, when I went to ask my daughter to turn down the TV a couple of notches, she gave me one. And they didn't be, uh, sort of... <laughs> underestimated uh, how long it would take me to chew it so yeah so yeah <laughs> apart from having like a partially chewed haribo like put halfway down my, my body i'm doing all right everyone wants to know now what kind of haribo was it i'm not sure it was quite a nice one yeah it's just i don't I, I, I didn't look i just like it's just handed it to me and just flung it in my mouth i see okay mm-hmm. all right all right you couldn't tell by the, the taste or texture of what kind of haribo they all, it taste, was. They all taste the same to me um, <laughs> they don't. they're not even the good pig fat ones that you get everywhere else in the world or some no yeah no i'm good i'm i'm, I'm not long back from watching The Flash, which I know isn't a Scottish film, but it was quite exciting seeing Batman on his uh, bat cycle uh, flying up uh, past George Square in Glasgow and some other city centre locations. And was it like instantly recognisable as George Square? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously I I know George. I know the city centre of Glasgow really well. So for me, yeah, it was, and I, and I was actually in Glasgow when they were when they were filming it because there was lots of funny stories about people saying they were late for work because the road was closed because Batman was chasing some. <laughs> Some villains <laughs> passing Vincent Place and things, but yeah, no, it was it, it it was quite good for people like you and I who share a love for Michael Keaton's Batman. There's plenty of um, there's, there's plenty of Keaton um in the film, and he's fucking great. Good. Uh, really good. You didn't spot anyone in the background wearing like a an old Rangers NTL top or anything in the well no um, in the flash um, not to spoil not to ruin the film it's in the trailer like Ben Affleck is also in the film as Batman mm. um, so the the Batman in Glasgow scenes is Batfleck um, it's later on that we meet Batman 89 as uh, sometimes called but there's lots of um, there's, I mean it's it's good and I would urge you to go and see it. I think you'll enjoy it. Like the last sort of 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of the film are just pure fan service, but fan service for, I suspect, men of a certain age. <laughs> and there's also a really, really deep cut, which uh, I won't tell you about, but I look forward to talking to you about whenever you get around to seeing it. Um, so, yeah. Very good. Well, I will wait for that to come out on streaming because, as you know, I try and I only go to the cinema once a year mm-hmm. as such and I used that up last week I went to see Asteroid City <laughs> just purely because we're killing time mm-hmm. um, but I have been informed my wife that we are going to have to go to the cinema I think next next couple of weeks I think so um, I'll, that'll be twice so I won't be able to, to go and see The Flash because I'll be what, using up my cinema What are you going to see in the next couple of weeks? Well it's a double bill weekend Greg right. because the new Christopher Nolan Oppenheimer comes out right. so as you know I'm a big fan of I'm always speaking to my mutual friends of about atomic science or what? <laughs> there's another film comes out that day that i'm gonna go and see with my wife and it's not she's not even dragging me to it i genuinely really want to go and see it the and barbie I'm film more ha- yeah the barbie film <laughs> yeah. i want to see that more than i want to see oppenheimer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we went to see asteroid city they played the trailer for both of them yeah. and i was like there's only one of those two that i want to go and see <laughs> yeah i am quite keen to see the barbie film i've seen a couple of trailers that does look quite funny uh, obviously my, yeah. my daughters are up for going to see it so it just looks like fun it does, so why not yeah, and you know Margot Robbie is always good value as is mm. as is Ryan Gosling there is a just to 
go back to the Flash for a second. There's there's an appearance by quite an unlikely actor, like probably one of the last people you'd expect to see in like a big Hollywood film, and that's uh, Kieran Hodgson who plays Gordon in Two Doors Down. He's got quite a wow. He's got quite he's got quite a he plays a barista, and he has quite a quite a light-hearted scene with um, Ezra Miller right at the beginning of the film. Um, but I, it it took me a second because he's doing an American accent. Because obviously it's supposed okay. to be in um, Central City, I think the Flash lives. And um, yeah, I was like, oh, it's Gordon. My daughter was like, who's Gordon? I was like, you have to watch Two Doors Down. <laughs> I, I did hear, I think I heard in a podcast, um, it's not a spoiler, obviously. Well, maybe it is a spoiler. I don't know that Wonder Woman obviously makes an appearance does, in yeah. the Flash film. Yeah. Was Did she take Matt Costello with her as well? Because obviously no. <laughs> you always mention Matt Costello's in Wonder Woman 84. So he doesn't make an appearance uh, in the Flash, no. She's definitely getting her money's worth um, from the character, Gal Gadot, because uh, my daughter and I watched the Shazam sequel last week, uh, The Fury of the Gods. Oh, yeah. And she makes mm. a cameo in that. And then she's ah. obviously making a cameo in... Uh, I think this will be our last one, because I think um, the Guardians of the Galaxy guy is going to start it all over again, isn't he? Yeah. I wonder if she signed, like, a, a six-film deal or something. <laughs> Probably. And just used this up. Yeah. It's like yeah. To, to <laughs> use up her contract. Yeah. We're going to pay you exactly the same <laughs> as we paid you for Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 84. But the good news is... We've got time for a couple of days. <laughs> See? Great. <laughs> hey, well, as long as she gets paid, that's the main thing. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, that is our Flash update and our, our Glasgow <laughs> update. I, d- I haven't heard of anything else really being filmed. Because I know, obviously, The Flash was filmed, Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. a bit of that was filmed, um, Batgirl, the, the, which yeah. will probably never see the light of day, yeah. um, was filmed in Glasgow. I think, was it one of the, the Fast and Furious I think it was uh, nine. Hobbs and Shaw was that filmed was in Glasgow. Hobbs and yeah. Shaw, that was it. Yeah, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, um, yeah. I haven't seen much else because normally it's in the newspapers about whatever the the latest thing being mm. filmed is. But I haven't seen anything at the moment, so I don't know if uh, if there's anything being filmed in Coming Glasgow up. right now. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll hear about it as we keep an eye on the news for the podcast. Oh, that is a wonderful segue <laughs> there, Greg. Well, shall we have a look at what's been happening in Scotland over the last couple of weeks, Greg? Cue the jingle. Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg. So, what have you seen flashing around Scotland uh, <laughs> in the last couple of weeks that you'd like to share with our lovely listeners? Well, I'm hoping that no one thinks it's a bit mean uh, or thinks me a bit mean since it's my story, but the headline just made me laugh so much that I had to put it on the <laughs> on the podcast. So, um, <laughs> uh, it comes from the Daily Record uh, on the... Oh, today. Hot off the press. 1st of July. It yeah. says, uh, Fuming Scots cruise passengers Passengers struck down by they're making the quotation marks norovirus outbreak. I guess it's not confirmed. Uh, Notice <laughs> Fuming Scots cruise passengers struck down by norovirus outbreak brand the ship the QE Poo. Uh, Liz Webster. 
uh, from Falkirk was one of around 100 passengers unwell on the cruise where staff are wearing protective clothing and taking meals to people's rooms. A luxury cruise ship has been branded the QE Poo after passengers on board were struck down by a suspected norovirus outbreak. The 10-day cruise from Rosyth to Germany turned into a nightmare after more than 100 people on board fell ill and are said to be confined to their cabins on the Fred Olsen ship, the MV Balmoral. It is understood uh, 1,154 passengers are on board. Liz Webster from Falkirk is one of those quarantining on the vessel that left the 1st of 4th on June 22nd and told the record her luxury holiday ended up being more like the QE2 than the QE2. God, Liz. She's not letting her illness uh, dampen her sense of humour. Anyway, uh, Liz said, I picked up the bug a few days into the trip and was told I had to isolate straight away. It has been a nightmare being alone in that room alone. I spent a lot of money to come on this holiday and was expecting a luxury cruise. Oh, she gets it. She shoehorns it in again, but it has ended up being more QE poo than QE2. <laughs> At least 100 passengers have been unwell so far. So there's a picture of a toilet door um, on the ship and it says facility temporarily closed. We encourage guests to use their own cabin toilet. Um, to, I guess they're trying to stop the spread of infection. This goes on to say when I became sick, they were calling me frequently, asking about my symptoms. I wasn't allowed to leave my room without leaving a stool sample outside for a staff member. Too much information, Liz. Far too much information. Come on. Um, one woman I spoke to who lives near me in Falkirk was isolated in her cabin for four days. Liz claims passengers were delayed for two hours before being allowed to board the ship so it could be cleaned. She continued, We got a text on the day we were due to leave saying that the ship had to be delayed for two hours because it was being cleaned. But we weren't really, we weren't really sure why at that stage. Once we got on board, we noticed signs everywhere advising people to wash their hands. And maybe they just knew they were picking up the Scottish passengers. So was the, <laughs> <laughs> tell them to wash their hands. And there was regular announcements uh, reminding us to wash our hands over the tannoy. The next day, we were informed uh, again over the tannoy that there was an outbreak on the ship and told anyone who became infected would have to be isolated. Then they shut down all the toilets and we were told the only ones that would be available were the ones in our cabins. Then the jacuzzis were closed off too. I mean, I think I would close off the jacuzzis before I closed off the toilets. Jesus. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and we were unable to handle any food with everything now being brought to us by waiters. Staff are now in protective clothing and masks and taking food into people's rooms. I needed to go to the toilet this morning and I couldn't get into my room because the staff were inside cleaning so there was nowhere else to go and I was left standing outside really distressed. <laughs> I don't want to laugh at people who need to go to the toilet, right? But <laughs> but it's funny when people make a big deal about it when they're, when they're really bursting. And it's especially funny for some reason, and sorry ladies, but when women of a certain age make a big deal about, oh, we're so distressed, I was bursting for a pish. The cat, she, she goes on to say... Just like to say that those are Greg's views and not shared yes. by everyone at the Culture Smiley. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, ladies. It's, 
<laughs> there are, this goes on to say, there are 1,154 passengers on board, and I would guess that at least 100 of us have been unwell on the cruise. You see staff in protective clothing and masks taking from the people's room all the time. So it could be even more people than that. It's just been one thing after another, really. I spent a lot of money to come on this holiday and was expecting a luxury cruise. Uh, once again, mentions the QE Poo again. Fred Olsen Cruises sent a letter to passengers on board advising them that public health experts suggested isolation was necessary. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's nothing worse than having an upset stomach when you're not in your own house with your own bathroom mm. nearby. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, I would completely agree. And I think being on a cruise ship's got to be even worse because you're completely trapped. So you can't go out to get some fresh air, really. I mean, at least if you're, if you're on holiday and you're in a hotel, you can probably chance it and just nip mm. out for a quick walk around the block or something well you know you'd have to sit close to a toilet obviously yeah but if you're in a, a cruise ship you're kind of trapped i mean obviously some have like a little balcony that you could go out and get fresh <laughs> air but if you're hanging your arse if over you're on the sea like yeah, yeah, yeah might be a bit uncomfortable so yeah like my sympathies are there and that's got to be terrible because you've just got all these people just contained and trapped like that you know that virus is going to spread like yeah well like like diarrhea basically <laughs> yeah. so it's it's uh yeah horrible i mean she did rinse that qe poo qe poo joke uh quite a lot in uh in her statements but wow yeah that's that's horrible i, I wouldn't wish that on anyone to be honest it's it's not nice at all ever been in a situation like that you've been far from home struck down in the tummy not that i can think of no <laughs> not, um, not that i want to talk about on the podcast <laughs> no not that i can think of what about yourself um yeah i did have a years ago i was working in liverpool and i was staying for a few days at the premier Inn at the albert dock and i came down with uh what is just i never got it was never diagnosed but sort of in hindsight <clears throat> suspected as being um gastric flu and uh i was just sort of stuck in the room with only like UK free digital television and uh, to watch so it's watching like cold it's and stuff like that on yesterday <laughs> and um I remember like the maids came to the door obviously to kind of turn the room and uh, she knocked on the door first and I opened the door and asked her if she could just give me some more toilet paper but only a crack because the room absolutely howling um I was because I was I was sort of feverish. I was in and out. I was in and out the bathroom with uh, like distressing irregularity, and you, you can't open the windows. And well, I didn't open the window anyway, so it was like November. Oh, yeah. and it was November in the northwest of England. You know what I mean? It was cold. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty grim. And then I was sort of feeling a wee bit better the next day, and I had to drive to Sheffield. I think the next day, and I had a couple of moments in the car on the drive way over there, uh, which I thought were going to be a bit unpleasant, but luckily, luckily they weren't. Um, but yeah, it was pretty grim. Yeah, it's not a nice situation to be in, no, definitely not. But not. I'm glad you made it and you, you were okay <laughs> yeah. and you're fully recovered. That's the main thing. Unlike the unfortunate passengers on the QE poo, so I, I hope they. <laughs> They recover and there's plenty of toilet roll on board. But as you say, if not, they can just do it over the balcony. Exactly. And yep. Take a dip in the jacuzzi to wipe it off. Uh, anyway, that's my first story. Um, what's your first story for this episode? Well, I, I don't want to lower the tone and, and speak about kind of other bodily habits, but uh, this is an article from the, the Scottish Sun this week. And the headline is Lust Eat. Shocking moment. Fast food delivery driver caught performing sex act in bushes outside a Glasgow home. <laughs> Um, 
The fast food worker was spotted exposing himself in bushes in broad daylight in the Highland area of Glasgow. And there's a couple of images of this uh, this gentleman here. Um, the, the food courier was rumbled after a resident spotted him in the bushes from the window of his flat around 6.10pm on Saturday evening. And the fuming local, who asked not to be named, that's quite strange, you'd think he'd want a bit of fame for this, <laughs> raced straight out to confront the driver before calling in the cops. An image shows the man hiding in the bushes with his manhood exposed whilst looking at his phone and I can clarify that yep I can see the image he does have yes his man heats out but they've blurred it yeah. which is nice of them and you can see his phone and yes he is looking at let's just say adult material on his phone there you'll be pleased to know it's not looking at um, a just eat menu or anything <laughs> um <laughs> Footage of the incident shows the moment that the driver tries to flee the scene after realising he's been spotted. He is seen carrying an orange Just Eat food bag as he picks up his electric bike whilst trying to make a getaway. It's unclear if the man actually works for the delivery service <laughs> or for a specific takeaway. In the video, the resident says, No point hiding your face now. I've already got it. Wanking in people's gardens. <laughs> <laughs> Police confirm they were contacted after reports of public indecency, and they have confirmed they are now investigating the incident. Uh, a Just Eat spokesperson says, We take reports like this extremely seriously, and we have a zero-tolerance approach to criminal behaviour. There is currently not enough evidence to verify if this person delivers on behalf of Just Eat, <laughs> but we will support authorities with any lines of inquiry and take actions as appropriate. So there we go, Greg. Delivery driver wanking in the bushes. A suspected delivery driver. <laughs> He's just got his Just Eat bag. So we don't know. Now, you're laughing at that because I presume you're thinking, well, he's got the bag. He must be a Just Eat delivery driver. Yeah? Well, I was thinking maybe, maybe he just has like a massive ejaculate. Maybe it's like he's the big bag to catch it <laughs> those bags are quite insulated so maybe he's <laughs> trying to keep it warm or cold or you know to take it somewhere um that reminds me of when amsterdam when we locked down for the first time and they, they did announce uh like the day before that there was going to be a lockdown and the only people that would be allowed out would be delivery drivers and like emergency services and stuff and that evening the most expensive item that you could purchase on like the facebook marketplace or the like amsterdam pages for for secondhand stuff was like a, a just eat or delivery <laughs> bag really? and jacket because people were buying them so that they could go out in the, the <laughs> evenings uh, on their bike and pretend that they were delivery drivers. I mean, let's face it, I'll be honest, it was drug dealers that were buying them. But um, <laughs> and I've never seen, because obviously I was allowed out to go and walk the dog, yeah. I've never seen so many delivery drivers <laughs> hanging around outside Domino's <laughs> in the end of the street. <laughs> and they did not look like they were selling pepperoni. Um, yeah, so it could be. But yeah, so he, um, I mean, obviously, if he does work for Just Eat or they would have a record of a delivery taking place in that area at that time. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's photographs of the guy. So he can't be too difficult to, to pin down. I mean, his photos of his cock. You know, that's, that's enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, what, what possesses you at 10 past six in the evening? <laughs> I mean, do you think... Do you think he'd maybe made a delivery and the the lady or man, we don't know, that he delivered to turned him on so much that he just had to go into the bushes and crack one off? Uh, but then why would he use his phone? Because he would surely... I don't know. I, mean, I, would just, but, I would just hope that he had made a delivery before 
<laughs> he jumped into the yeah. bushes. But you know, it's a strange one. T- t- ten past six, the wanking hour, maybe. I have no idea. Uh... I don't know. I mean, Saturday night, ten past six, maybe because he's on his bike. Maybe he's thinking that's probably we're about to enter like the busiest period of the week yep. for takeaways. Yeah, right in the load. My nuts are feeling <laughs> a little bit full. <laughs> I'm going to be on my bike saddle for a long time this evening. As you say, I better empty the boys and it's going to make my evening a lot more comfortable riding along. It's going to say, driving. It's going to to shave like 20 seconds off each delivery that I do. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just take three or four minutes to nip into these bushes and crack one off. Mm. And the the poor guy's been rumbled and chased. I just, you've got to love the. The guy, no point hiding your face now, I've got it. Wanking in people's gardens. I always think it. I always think it's quite funny. It seems to be quite a modern thing where people are compelled to confront people like that. Yeah. Because like when I was a kid, if you were if you were wandering up the street and you spotted somebody wank like a man wanked in the bushes, you fucking ran away. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, he <laughs> spotted him from his flat, right? Yeah. I have. I'll tell you exactly what would happen if I looked out and saw this. I don't have any bushes nearby, but, but you know, let's say there was. I was in his position. First thing I'm going to do is shout for my wife and come here come here second thing i'm gonna do probably at the same time as i shout for my wife is take my phone out and take a photo or a video of it and send it to you and our mutual friend and then the third thing i do once my wife's there and we're happy we've seen everything we want to see i would chap in the window (laughs) and as he looks up give him a wave and a thumbs up Insuitably embarrassing. There's no need to call the police or go and confront him. He's just having a little Tommy tank in the bushes. Like he's not. Yeah. I mean, okay, yes, I agree. If there were children in the vicinity, <laughs> yeah. then that's that's it's okay. Yeah. yeah, actually, maybe I'm going into a grey area there. But um, <laughs> yeah, come on. I mean, I, I think chapping at the window and hey is more embarrassing for him than <laughs> calling the police. Oh, come on. Just a, this is a bit of a mental image. <laughs> With you saw your neighbour across the river there having a wank, <laughs> yeah. sort of running down the stairs, jumping into a dinghy, rowing across, furiously rowing across. That was, that was, that was, chapping on his door. You're you, you dirty bastard. <laughs> My wife has actually said she wanted to put a sign up to say, You do know we can see you wanking. And I'm like, you can't do that. She's like, why not? I was like, because other people can see it. Like the neighbours above or below him have no idea what's going on yeah, there. Yeah. They might think it's about them. So um, yeah, I said you can't do that. But never mind. So <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to him, to this poor Just Eat guy, if he's going to get caught or not. Because the the Sun have put out a plea of um, I mean, if they know if, of anyone to get in touch. If you're the Just Eat sort of PR people, whether he works for you or not. You're going to say that he doesn't. But I don't know who he is. Yeah, Must work for. Course, don't know where nah. he got the bag from. Doesn't work for us. <laughs> we check all their drivers' phones for <laughs> hardcore <laughs> pornography before we dispatch them of an evening. Oh, never mind. Well, there we go. So uh, I'll let you know if there's uh, any update that, that comes from that <laughs> later on. Uh, what else have you seen this week, Greg? Uh, well, this one. Um, Appeared in both the Daily Record and the Scottish Sun, but I got it from the oh. Daily Record. Um, uh, it's from the 30th of June, uh, so from yesterday's uh, paper. Um, it's The headline reads, Bannockshire Garage comes up with hilarious recruitment ad that advises no wee hard men need apply. Uh, Airdrie Tires and MOT Services are seeking a young person who will be paid utter pish wages. <laughs> 
That's what it says in the headline. I'm making it up. Um, so the, the owner of a garage in North Lanarkshire has come up with a hilarious, no-nonsense approach to recruitment. Airdrie Tires and MOT Services, who are actually based in Coatbridge, are looking for a young person to help around their unit in the town's heritage way. Business owner Robert Sweeney decided to use the company's own Facebook page to advertise for a yard boy who will be rewarded with a wage that is utter pish. Uh, the advert advises that no wee hard men or TikTok influencers need apply. The social media post has already been shared over 1,400 times and has seen hundreds of comments on the hilarity of the advert. <laughs> Interested applicants have been warned that they will need to get their hands dirty and if successful in landing the job, have even been advised not to wear Yeezy's trainers or Pam Angel's t-shirts <laughs> as a uniform will be provided. The applicants have also been informed that while they won't be eating steak every night with the pay they're on, they will earn enough for a vape and a couple of soups. <laughs> <laughs> they will earn enough for a vape and a couple of soups down the park so everyone's happy. <laughs> Oh, do you mean dragon soup? It must be. Uh, uh, those interested in the job have have also been advised that they will need to personally phone to be considered, as the garage won't be accepting messages or phone calls from their ma staff member. <laughs> <laughs> Staff member Caitlin Woods said, I must have taken about 100 calls already, but people are just calling to say they aren't interested in the job, but found it hilarious. Honestly, I'm sick and tired of hearing the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Robert wrote the post during his tea break. It's his patter. It took him about three minutes to write it. We were laughing last night when we saw the shares it had. He said he could have made it ten times better, but I was rabbit in his, in his ear at the time. We've still... <laughs> We've still not found anybody for the job yet. We've had, a, we've had some amount of messages and someone keeps asking if it's still available and I'm like, read the post. It says to phone. <laughs> the company were named Scottish Recovery Company of the Year at last year's <laughs> Scottish Garage Awards. Um, the, job, the job advertisement in its entirety reads, Now that the summer holidays are here, we are looking for a yard boy to help out with tyre management and general chores around the garage. It's Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. For the idiots, that's breakfast till dinner. No wee hard men or fuckers. Also, no Insta guys or TikTok influencers. It's engine oil here, not baby oil. I don't care who you know or who your dad knows. Just come, do the job and go up the road. Stories are for bedtime. Wages are utter pish. So don't think you're eating steak every night. It gets you out from under your mad's feet and gives you enough for a vape and a couple of soups down the park so everybody's happy. No message applications. I don't have time to break into 5,000 messages with you to ask for a job. And also, don't get your mat a phone or you'll get laughed at. This is a dirty job, so no Yeezys or Pam Angels so you can tell your mat to stay away from DHgate. You'll get a unit... <laughs> You'll get a uniform, <laughs> so no need for that. Phone, and I do mean phone, for more information on 01236 763 So if we've got any young listeners on the phone in the North Lanarkshire area, <laughs> fancy looking for a bit of a summer job now that school's finished, give them a bell. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> that's fantastic. I, I particularly like, I don't care who you know or who your dad knows. <laughs> Just come and do the job. Stories are for bedtime. <laughs> 
That's fantastic. I mean, I wonder if... Uh, <laughs> I wonder if he's going to get any applications for that. Like, I'm sure he will, but yeah. There won't be people thinking he sounds like a great boss to work for, but also there'll be people that'll be like, not a fucking chance. Yeah. Gotta love a summer job, though. <clears throat> so you do. What's the best summer job you've ever had? I don't know if I ever really had summer jobs as such. Like, I always just had part-time yeah. jobs. Yeah, I don't think I ever really had, like, a proper summer job as such. Yeah, I mean, from a young age, I was doing kind of part-time jobs. I mean, I, I, well, I worked at the local golf club. I mean, the, the the one job I used to do, it was every Wednesday and every Saturday, I would... And it must have been from about maybe 13 I started doing it. And it was, I guess it was kind of a summer job because it was during the golf season. Mm-hmm. Um, I would book golf times. So I would get up at like 2.30 in the morning <laughs> and then go up to the golf club, stand in a queue. And I was always first. And I always prided myself on being first in that queue. <laughs> And wait in the queue until 5am when it opened and write down the name of the the guy that was paying me at the tea time he wanted for that afternoon and then go back home to my bed. (laughs) And I would get 10 quid a time for that because it would be a four ball. So they would each chip in 250 because none of them wanted to go Uh and get up and go there and I lived like five minute walk from the golf course yeah. so it was perfect I would just get up take a book um, and then Saturdays were better because you used to you could go up and write your name on the list yeah. and then like bugger off but then I got a couple of my other friends to do it on a Saturday as well so we used to go up write our names on the list and then basically just go and terrorise the local neighbourhood <laughs> <laughs> like in the morning like, just get up to shenanigans there was a caravan park next to it as well so we used to go and like chap on the tents and stuff and wake people up steal any booze that was lying around outside sometimes put padlocks on the tents from the outside just the usual stuff yeah. you do uh, so yeah that was probably the best job I had in terms so this, of that what about uh, yourself another job that the uh, technology has taken away from a young person I suppose <clears throat> Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. What about you? Did you have anything good? Did you, um, did you, you know, well, pick strawberries. Or I did. Well, <laughs> I didn't pick strawberries. I used. To, I, it was. It was after I left school, and I was working in a pub at the weekends, and I was at college. And when the summer came up, two two brothers who ran a local strawberry farm used to drink in the pub, mm. and uh, mm. I was looking for some to, for like some extra money over the summer. But I didn't want to pick strawberries because I was a lazy bastard. And picking sh- <laughs> picking strawberries is uh, physically difficult work. You know, as, as, as any fruit picking, uh, I'm sure is. And um, so they said I could drive the tractor. I explained that I didn't have a driving license, but they said it was okay. It was just a tractor. <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> but, you know, of course, I'm sure those two were driving a tractor. They grew up in the farm. I'm sure they were driving a tractor from as soon as their feet could reach the pedals. Um, I did not grow up in a farm. So I went down on the first day on the Monday and they gave me a bit of a shot of the tractor behind the big barn for about half an hour. Um, and when they felt that I was sort of proficient enough, they set me, they let me loose. And my job was to go and collect the trays of strawberries from where the pickers were picking and take them up to the... They, they had a sort of cold storage um, where they kept them mm. before they got sent to the supermarkets. But they also had a wee farm shop at the bottom of the road where they sold them. So I was driving down to the farm road. The, so I was driving down the farm road to the wee farm shop um, later in the morning. And the, the, the brother's mum uh, appeared and asked me... To, put her hand up like a like a police officer because she wanted me to stop so instead of putting my foot in the brake I put my foot in the clutch and narrowly missed her and crashed into a fence knocking the front <laughs> fence post over um, and uh, 
And so that was my first strike. Uh, later on in the day, after lunch, I was taking some strawberries up to the cold storage, feeling quite good about my tractor driving abilities. I've been doing it for a few hours, feeling like I was getting the hang of it. When a wasp or a hornet or something appeared in the cab, <laughs> and I was so busy watching it, before I knew where I was, I had knocked over a load of the strawberry pickers' push bikes. Um, oh, no. So I... I turned off the tractor and jumped out and I was picking the bikes up and inspecting them for damage and they were all fine until the last one which had actually ran over and buckled both the wheels <laughs> so that, that was my second strike um, my second day uh, passed without <laughs> any incident it was fine in fact we got rained off at about 3 o'clock so we got an early sent home um, and then in the afternoon of the third day the back of the tractor had a kind of hydraulic scoop um, that the, the punnets of strawberries and their plastic trays were all stacked up on and I used to always have it at a slight angle because I wasn't very good at changing gear um, and so when mm. I changed gear the t- the the, it would like sort of lurch a little bit the tractor I'd already dropped a load yeah. I'd already dropped a load of empty like trays already that morning but one of the brothers kept going on at me to keep the scoop level because he said all the punnets were portioned and if I'm like mm bumping around strawberries are going to jump out of one punt into the other so I need to keep it yeah. level um, so I did I had a full load I changed gear and I dropped the fucking lot <laughs> onto the fart track um, and that was the that was my third strike and the end of my tractor driving career I'm sad to say I got my jotters shortly after and do you know what I'd never got paid for the three days that I worked oh, fucking but um, I didn't I felt like I felt bit. I didn't want to ask for it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because they probably had to pay for two new bike wheels and for a whole load of strawberries that got ruined. Of being <laughs> well, they told me that, mangled, and they told me their ins- tractor repairs. <laughs> they told me their insurance would uh, would uh, cover the bike. But then the, the the sort of the sort of epilogue, the kind of funny epilogue was because they they were actually brand new with me, despite all my shortcomings as a tractor driver, and. Uh, they had this old fella that worked on the farm that had worked for them for like 25 years. And um, a couple of weeks later, one of the brothers told me <laughs> that the old fella had managed to roll the tractor. <laughs> They'd been driving it for... So that's pretty specialist, you know? <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah. That is very impressive. So, yeah. Wow. So that was probably the... the that's the, the only time... I've, I've been like you otherwise. I've, I've tended to have part-time jobs during term time that I've maybe picked up a bit extra over the summer holidays like if I was doing the papers I might with one of the other paper boys was on holiday I might pick up his round do you know what I mean that kind of thing yeah so that was was that my uh, that was my story (laughs) wasn't it so it was yeah yeah. (laughs) a bit of a digression there so what's your next story this week well this isn't so much a story of what's been happening in Scotland the last couple of weeks more of a trip down memory lane Mm. because it was in the newspaper today that it was um, 30 years since uh, a certain event 30 years today. So I thought it would be quite nice to to have a look at this. So this is from the Dundee Courier today on uh, July the 1st, as we're recording this. So Dundee's Wellgate Centre was an instant hit when it first opened in the 4th of April 1978, but then declining footfall saw the grey shutters being pulled down on many units. Fortunately, salvation was at hand. A £25 million refurbishment started in May 1992 to bring the shopping centre back to life. And it did, with 26 new units, uh, 100,000 square feet, a cafe, new escalators, a glazed roof and main entrances. So, what better to open the new Wellgate Centre than when Lady Penelope's pink Rolls Royce arrived (laughs) and there were no strings attached when the Thunderbirds blasted off to open the Wellgate (laughs) Centre. (laughs) 
<laughs> so uh, the reason it was, and so the Thunderbirds were there. Obviously, it's yeah. people in Thunderbirds oh, costumes. Right, yeah. But you kind of forget about this because this was 1993, and it says it's Little Wonder, and it speaks about what a phenomenon it was. And of course, you know, set in the year 2065 and first screened in 1965, mm-hmm. the. Uh, the series follows the fortunes of the Tracy family, who run International Rescue. Uh, Jerry Anderson and wife Sylvia had gained fame for Fireball, XL5, Stingray and Captain Scarlet, but Thunderbirds smashed into uh, the TV show uh, for children. And uh, each week, viewers would tune in to see Brain, Scott, Virgil, Alan and the unstoppable Lady Penelope join forces to help stop disaster. But what we forget is that in the 90s, it was repeated mm. and Everyone went fucking Thunderbirds mental yep. again. Um, in 1992, the £35 Thunderbirds Tracy Island playset became the year's hottest toy, and parents were queuing around the blocks to get their hands on the 1960s throwback. Such was the dearth in the shops that Blue Peter presenter Anthea Turner famously showed viewers how to make their own version from cardboard boxes and straws. Do you remember that? Yeah. Anthea Turner building was the Was that the before Tracy or after their accident? Uh, what when our hair got set on fire or the other accident (laughs) the other accident I think it was before maybe um, (laughs) poor Bruno Brooks (laughs) It was uh, it was the most popular how-to guide in Blue Peter history. Um, and Turner's demonstration uh, uh, of how to build... Uh, you throw me off there. Um, how to build the replica base guarded over 100,000 fact sheet requests. God, remember that? You'd have to send off for a fact sheet. Yeah. Um, School started making it and Tracy Island Club sprang up. Uh, so you can imagine the mass excitement when it was announced the Thunderbirds were coming to the Wellgate and the mall owners wanted everyone to know about it. So they had adverts all over in the Evening Telegraph, um, in the run-up to people asking them to rendezvous at the Wellgate on Thursday, July the 1st, 1993. Um, and each poster would count down to the shopping days until the arrival with a famous 54321 and accompanied by humorous text. So the uh, the first set a tone with the number five and it said there are only five shopping days to go until the characters from Thunderbirds Island are at the Wellgate Centre. What will brains make of the nursery rhyme clock? <laughs> Will Parker be able to carry all of Lady Penelope's shopping? Come along between 10am and 3.30pm to find out. With four shopping days to go, they said, There's a rumour that Tracy Island is near Dundee. Will the new Wellgate Fountains make it a good disguise for the Thunderbird launch pad? (laughs) Can Lady Penelope's pink Rolls Royce sneak into the car park without being noticed? I don't think so in Dundee. (laughs) Hundreds of children uh, started the school holidays by turning out to greet the characters and were given hats and flags from Scott Tracy, Brains, Parker and Lady Penelope. Three Dundee children were each presented with a Thunderbirds puppet and their drawing that they had presented in a special frame after winning a colouring competition at the Wellgate. The courier said that uh, Scott Tracy, Brains, Parker and Lady Penelope delighted children at the event where they met shoppers on a walkabout uh, to highlight the new Luke Wellgate. And there is a guy in a Parker costume looking like he would probably rather be anywhere else <laughs> in the world. Uh, so yeah, that was when they um, yeah they, they came to, to open the Wellgate. But the official opening of the Wellgate wasn't actually until October 1993. And mm. they, they managed to move up a notch with that, Greg. They had Cheryl Baker as a from the fizz. officially opening wow. from the fizz um and they had a, a selection of famous models 
modeling clothes from Wellgate retailers and then doing a dance routine. Now, you know, it's a Wellgate centre, Greg. It's family friendly, of course. Mm. You know, you're thinking... Kenneth's kind of bagger cans. Thinking? <laughs> no, Greg, it's family friendly. Yeah. It was the Chippendales. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and then the rest of the article is just saying that, that how the Wellgate boomed, um, and it was you know it was full of wonderful shops like Virgin and, and Woolworths and stuff. But how now it is a decrepit piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and tenants now include B and M, Superdrug, Home Bargains, and Poundland. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that's the decline. But yeah, I remember that like you know Thunderbirds Daft back in the, well, the, the early nineties, and I just thought that was you know mm. thirty years ago today that the, they were there, and you know I don't know do you get stuff like that nowadays in terms of I don't know I, mean, I think I think like Jerry Anderson stuff still going strong I need to correct the uh, reporter because um, Captain Scarlet actually came after Thunderbirds ah. and, and it's and it's obvious by the, the the quality of the Captain Scarlet puppets compared to the, the Thunderbirds ones but I do remember that sort of Thunderbirds renaissance because um, my stepfather he was born in 1955 so when mm. Thunderbirds first came out he was 10 years old uh, so probably just the right age for it so when I remember it used to be on it used to be on BBC2 at 6 o'clock on a Friday evening mm. and Thunderbirds was one of those ones that I kind of remembered I mean it was always Stingray that was on in the mornings and the summer holidays wasn't it Stingray seemed to be on all the time but Thunderbirds mm. um, I was sort of aware of it but didn't really know an awful lot about it so I was quite interested to watch it even though I was like 14 or something like, you know, yeah 15 I, yeah because I mean I was a, a little bit younger but I was still I think too old to be watching yeah. it really probably but I did watch it um, but I, I'd say I preferred the other Thunderbird that I discovered a few yeah, years later definitely <laughs> yeah, for sure yeah um, I remember though do you remember like in the sort of late 80s and early 90s I guess you know maybe it was it was sort of like the era of like one hit wonders uh, like bands like Jive Bunny and there was uh, remember the Star Trekking song Star hmm. Trekking and like the spit image yeah, um, yeah throw a chicken in the air song and everything and I remember there being a sort of Thunderbirds mashup kind of record um, that had um, it had some like vocal sampling from the TV show and it had in a sort mm. of remix of the kind of iconic theme but I, the line in the song that always sticks and it's not a lyric it's like sampled from the TV show is when uh, Lady Penelope has been captured and she says are you going to tie me up because I don't mind really <laughs> You know, and I was old <laughs> enough to think Penelope's a bit of a fucking kink. <laughs> oh, very nice, yeah. very nice, lovely. Yeah, you don't get a lot of um. I, what I was meaning, like in terms of get that nowadays, I meant more of like people dressed as puppets, oh. like opening malls and stuff. You know, would you? But I'm not really familiar with with what would be down with the kids nowadays in terms of that. So I don't know if you you get people dressing as characters to come and I think come and open malls. There's something a bit more innocent about that back in like the 90s. I think you get people sort of dressed up as like Peppa Pig and stuff like that. You know what I mean? That turn mm. up at malls. But funnily enough, uh, my daughter was Ibn Batuta Mall in Dubai last night. Uh, she was bowling. My youngest daughter and um, was a Batman exhibition down there and she sent me a picture of the Batmobile um, oh, yeah. but it's just an exhibition Batman's not there's no one dressed up as Batman cutting about it's just like <laughs> props and various merch and the odd little mm. act 
activity for kids to do, you know. So uh, very nice. Yeah. Well, that is the story of when Thunderbirds saved the Wellgate Centre. Thought it was just a nice little bit, uh, mm. nice little bit of history there. Anyway, very good. Um, have you got anything else this week, Greg? Uh, well, before we go on to our TV seat, our TV show. It's a TV show this week, not to spoil it. Mm. Um, do you want to play a game? You know the name of the show is in the title <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jigsaw, I'd like to play a game. What, uh, what have you got this week? Okay, so the title of the game is called Scots or Scotch. Now, the reason being that people from Scotland hate being referred to as Scotch by ignorant people yeah. from other countries, right? So I'm going to give you the name of a celebrity who claims some Scottish heritage, and I want you to tell me, mm. are they Scots or Scotch, all right? So as in they they have said that they're Scotch? Well, or they, sorry, let me, let me set it up again. A celebrity who may or may not have claimed Scottish heritage. Ah, sorry, okay, I didn't explain, okay, it. I I didn't explain it very well. I get you. That's all right, that's all right. I get you, I get you. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, then is uh, is a beautiful heart shaped faced uh, Friends actress Jennifer Aniston. Scots or Scotch? Ooh. Now. Ooh. Now. Obviously, I know she's yeah. Great. Was Ter- Telly Savalas? That was her godfather, wasn't it? Mm. Or so I think she claims. No, I don't think she would claim to be Scottish. So I, I'm going to go Scotch. Uh, it's actually Scots. So whilst oh. whilst her father was Greek. And uh, mm. Telly Savalas, who who does have a bit of a link to Scotland, because he did that great voiceover for the Aberdeen tourist board film. Of course <laughs> he did, of course. Um, but uh, on her mother's side, uh, Jennifer claims uh, Scottish, Italian and uh, Irish ancestry. Oh, so there you go. Damn. Okay. Uh, okay, next then, indestructible, see-through trouser-wearing singer Iggy Pop. Scots or Scotch? Iggy Pop. No, I don't think he would he would claim to be Scottish. So I'm gonna go with Scotch. Correct. He is not. Doesn't claim any Scottish heritage. <laughs> I do remember do you remember the programme that Mark Radcliffe used to present years ago, that live music programme called The White Room? It used to be on like on yes, a Saturday late afternoon. Do you remember Iggy Pop? Yeah. It was live and Iggy Pop performing in a pair of see through plastic trousers. <laughs> No, I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't know whether to YouTube that now or not. But uh, <laughs> next then is uh, recently orphaned from her presenting partner in this morning, Holly Willoughby. Is she Scots or Scotch? Um, Holly Willoughby. I don't know. Would she claim to be Scots? I've never heard of anything about her claiming to be Scottish. So I'm going to go with Scotch. Correct. She has no okay. no links to Scotland. Um, Next then, uh, it's all about family, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Now, th- this is the thing, because you probably don't listen to a lot of the, the rewatchables that we listen to. That whenever they cover like a Fast and Furious film, I, I presume you don't listen to those episodes because you haven't listened to them. No. I do, because I love the Fast and Furious films. And they have this debate on every episode. What is Vin Diesel? like? What? And I don't mean that. It's like, but what is he meant to be? Like, even in the film. So, like, is he meant to be, like, Spanish? Or, <laughs> uh, yeah, because they drink Corona and, and his name, you know, is, is Dominic Toretto. But then, so is he Italian? Like, we, we don't know what he is. So Vin Diesel, I think, likes to to pick up. And I could see him in an interview saying, yeah, you know, I was you know, part Scottish. So I'm going to say Scots. Oh, you're correct. His real name is Mark Sinclair. Oh, I did not know <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 
And how? So did he end up on diesel because obviously a Sinclair C5 was <laughs> electric. Electric, and then he's like, I can't go with petrol, so I'll go with diesel. <laughs> My name's Vin Four Star. <laughs> disassociate himself with the absolute catastrophe that was the Sinclair C5 in every shape or form. Uh, yeah, um, apparently he was once gifted uh, his his friends with uh, Rory McCann from uh, Game of Thrones and the book club and mm. lots of other things. And Rory once gifted him uh, a kilt, apparently. So ah, there you go. wow. How lovely. Okay, and then last one then, our last one. Uh, so what, what you're, you're, you've got three right. Um, so you're kind of one anyway, but I'll give you the last one. Um, <laughs> last one then, uh, Clint Eastwood. Oh, Clint Eastwood. That's a good one. Oh, oh. He's, he's the all-American kind of hero, isn't he? So would he claim? No, I'm. Uh, he's, but he's the type that would. No, I would reckon Clint, if he was going to claim anything, he would claim to be like Irish. So I'm going to say Scotch. Fortunately, I mean, come on, Clint Eastwood, oh. incredibly right wing. No, his father um, apparently uh, had Scottish and English. Ancestry. So ah, there you go. okay. So he's actually oh, wow. he's actually can claim to be a bit Scots. So there. Well, there we go. Yeah. Like that. Every day's a learning day. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Oh well. So we can claim Clint Eastwood as one of our exactly. own. Exactly, and we will. And Vin Diesel. <laughs> and Jennifer. And Vin Anderson. Diesel. Well, <laughs> hey, that's three. I'm quite yeah. happy to take all three of them as yeah, yeah. As, as proud Scots. Definitely. Three icons that we can uh, yeah. we can claim as our own. Fantastic. So, is it time for a word from our sponsor? <laughs> It is, yeah. Let's have a little word from our sponsors. Um, well, it, funnily enough, there was an article in Aberdeen Live uh, last week about a new Aberdeen t-shirt line to depict an iconic Northfield landmark. And this is around our sponsors, Greg, Doric Skateboards. And it's about their latest t-shirt release, which shows an artistic rendering of the Northfield Tower. Are you familiar with the Northfield Tower in Aberdeen, Greg? I am indeed. Uh, it was always a comfort and sight when I was, after a long journey from Glasgow, to Aberdeen when you're coming in through Alton's you can see it on the on the horizon there and I always knew that I was close to where I lived not close to home because home was Glasgow but you know <laughs> that, that is exactly what um, what Gary has said in this article the Northfield Tower has always been on the radar uh, Gary grew up in Northfield um, for 20 odd years and it's always been an icon of the landscape and as Gary says driving into Aberdeen it's the first thing that you see mm. and a lot of people identify the tower with Aberdeen. So this is, of course, our uh, our sponsor, Doric Skateboards, a skateboard brand created by Gary Kemp, whose main focus is to explore the people and culture of Aberdeen and the Northeast and create designs that reflect life in the area, just like the Northfield Tower design. Um, Doric Skateboards screen paint their own decks in the studio by Gary's fair hand, and they produce some incredible designs over the years, including an Annie Lennox-inspired board, a Robert the Bruce board, and a plenty of pop deck inspired by the old Bonacord truck that used to drive around Aberdeen. Doric Skateboards also replicate these amazing designs onto their clothing on 100% organic cotton tees, hoodies and sweatshirts and you can fill your boots as well on stickers, pin badges, coasters, uh, caps and beanies as well. So check Doric Skateboards out for yourself on DoricSkateboards.com and follow them on Instagram at 
Doric Skateboards. You'll find all the links in the description of this episode and you will find a link on our Instagram in the link tree there as well. And we'll be delighted to be able to offer you 15% off as listeners to this podcast. All you need to do is head to DoricSkateboards.com, have a look at all the amazing stuff on offer. Um, You better be quick because I think the the Northfield Tower design is selling out very quickly. Um, And enter the promo code SWALLY. That's S-W-A-L-L-Y, all in block capitals, same with the name as this podcast, to get your 15% off. That's DorickSkateboards.com. So, last week, it was Gaddy's Choice. Um, last mm. week, last episode, I should say, when we covered My Name is Joe. That means it's back round to your choice, Nikki. So why don't you introduce tonight's, today's, this episode's TV series. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Greg. So on this episode, we are looking at the pilot episode and the first series, which was four episodes, so five episodes total, of the BBC Scotland comedy show, Scott Squad. Created and written by an Englishman, Joe Hulate, who uh, who also narrates the show. The pilot episode for this aired on Thursday the 29th of November 2012 at 10pm on BBC Two Scotland. And a first series of four episodes followed in 2014. So two, hour, two hours, a two-year delay in terms of the pilot and then the first series being commissioned. The series is a fly-on-the-wall documentary following the fictional Scottish Police Force, which is essentially the real-life Police Scotland because mm, yeah. they just kind of had been created just after <laughs> this, uh, or just before this. Uh, a new unified force that polices the whole of Scotland. Uh, starring Jack Doherty, Jordan Young, Darren Connell and Sally Reid, amongst others in this big ensemble, including Grado as well, of course. Uh, The show ran for eight series in total and ended earlier this year. And it was only shown in Scotland, but it's been available on iPlayer since it ended. All episodes are available there, and I think you can find some on YouTube as well. So the series is also semi-improvised, as writers just provide a kind of plot of key events and gags and they leave the actors to, to fill in the rest, which I think we can tell in some of the <laughs> yeah. scenes that we'll discuss, Greg. Uh, so, Greg, you mentioned in the last episode that you had never really seen a full episode of this, and I was the same. There are clips that do the rounds on, on social, and I'd seen them, but I'd never actually sat down and watched a full episode. What did you think of Scott Squad? Do you know, I really enjoy, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is hit and miss for, yeah. for the reasons that you've just described, but, you know, it's, it's one of those series that I could see you know like this is a series that you just sort of stick on while you're doing something else you know and it's good value the (laughs) the actors uh, are incredibly funny in a lot of those scenes like really really funny Jack Doherty in particular because I was a bit worried when I watched the pilot but I started watching the pilot I was I thought to myself oh I hope he's not going to do a sort of kind of David Brent type Mm. character and he doesn't at all but no. you know I think he's got anything in common it's perhaps that a slight lack of self-awareness um, but he's I haven't seen Jack Doherty on something for ages and ages I remember when I was a kid in the 90s um, you know he was an absolutely and then I think mm. he, had, he had the Jack Doherty show on Channel 5 when yeah. it launched his own talk show his own talk yeah. show yeah I mean he was and then just he sort of we didn't see much of him for a long time um, so it was great to see him and he's he's absolutely brilliant as uh, as um, Cameron Mikkelsen. He's a fantastic character. He's great 
I think in when he's talking to the camera and you can tell he's just going off on one and and rambling and that's when you, know, you can tell it's part improvised. And I did read a, a little interview with him um, when he said that you know this it's it's a great job um, because he let me just find sorry he said yeah the show's semi improvised it's written but you don't have a script with any dialogue you just have a page and a half of a description of what's happening in the scene and the points they want to get across. He's like so it's just a broad outline. He's like I just I love it. Like anything you don't have to learn lines for. <laughs> yeah. I just love doing it. And he's like, I can just go off on one and kind of ramble. And I think that does show in, when he's talking to the camera, but I, I love the, there's only a few scenes he has when he's interacting with people, but they are just golden. When yeah. he's with Fred McCauley in the studio, yeah. and when he's with Ken Beatty out on the streets, yeah. it's just, it, you could tell he relishes having someone to bounce off of in, in that kind of nature, yeah. which is why I think maybe when he's improvising himself to the camera, he interacts with his assistant a lot. You know, he's, Gene, Gene, yeah. <laughs> where's my password? Yeah, the, um, the computer's old Hungarian again. <laughs> <laughs> um, see yeah i, I say that it's like i hadn't really um seen a full episode i'd seen clips that often do the rounds. so the, the one that we mentioned last week of course is the one um with uh the guy says he's lee griffiths <laughs> yeah. that always does the round you get the one that um often does the round as well of mclaren and fletcher chasing the guy and he and he takes the silver tube up and hides <laughs> against the wall and they're really impressed with that <laughs> and then the main one that always does the rounds is again mclaren and fletcher in the supermarket with chris toll um and he keeps calling him shagger <laughs> and brilliantly jack's like you know am i a shagger yes i am but you can't call me that <laughs> it's pc mclaren <laughs> yeah so yeah, I mean, some it, it's yeah, they're the ones that done. So I had never really sat down and watched the full episode. And having watched these five, yeah, it's, I completely agree with you. It's hit and miss. There are parts that didn't really find funny, yeah. didn't laugh, but there are parts where I was in just in absolute hysterics. There was a couple of points, and it's the thing is, it's little throwaway lines <laughs> that make me laugh the most. And I'll come on to some of them later on. I mean. Let's be honest, most of them are Bobby. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's either Bobby or um, Jack Doherty. But um, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> I'm just laughing even thinking about some of them. Uh, but Jordan Young yeah. is PC Jack McLaren. He's got quite a few as well that just, just <laughs> resonate with me so well. Um, I do wonder over the eight series how it, it flows. Because it, it, if it is the same format yeah. over and over again. But I do think they do change it up a little bit as mm-hmm. it progresses and, and as it kind of, of goes on. But I think they do it well in that you have effectively the you know the, the two beat cops, the two traffic cops, the two country cops, and then Jack Docker is the chief. Oh, of course, you have uh, Ken Beatty as the kind of voluntary officer. And then you have, obviously, Officer Karen. Well, Sergeant Karen behind the desk. <laughs> so it's a good mix. And it, it's nice that they often like, kind of follow a story each mm-hmm. on, on the episodes that you can kind of catch up later as to, as to what's happening on the, the case that they're following. Well, it, it's almost like a sort of sketch show format. Do you know what I mean? You know, like, because like, mm. Chewing the Fat sort of did the same kind of thing where you would we would catch up with these ca- with these same characters and, you know, getting on, you know, like, the, the, the Bobby Officer Karen um, scenes are a good example of that, mm. I think. Um, but I, I, th- I think the show's strength is that all the characters are incredibly likeable. 
You know what I mean? There's yeah. there's no sort of even even characters who are the kind of butt of jokes. Like you know, like uh, Ken Beatty's um volunteer policeman. You know what I mean? For example, he's you know, he's the kind of butt of a lot of the jokes and a lot of the humour. Mm. Um he's always on his own, apart from the last mm. episode when he's out with um Jack Doherty. But they're all they're all really likable. And the, there's chemistry between, you know, the 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 other officers who are partnered up. Yeah. Like uh, you know, there's a lot of chemistry between them. And even when because like there's a there's a pilot episode with um the Asian uh, policeman, I'm just getting his get his name right, um Sergeant Singh. And he's out mm. with the white he's out with the other the Scottish guy, and then in the second episode yep. or the first proper episode, he's partnered up with uh, Gradle's character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was yeah. It was purely because the the actor Grant O'Rourke, who did the the pilot, because there was two years in between the mm. the pilot and the series actually um, filming, that Grado was offered a role as a criminal right. in the first episode. But then Grant O'Rourke got a gig on Outlander, right. and he was like, "Sorry, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> off off to go into Outlander. I'm not can't do Scott Squad." So uh, they said to Grado, "Do you fancy playing a cop instead?" And he's like. I <laughs> so <laughs> so that was one of that's like his first kind of acting yeah, gig, yeah. um was in Scott Squad and uh so yeah so it was a bit different and I did read the the director did say that he's had a few people ask him like Grado looks so different in the the pilot episode <laughs> he's like yeah because it's a different actor <laughs> that's why I mean the whole the whole Grado thing I mean he's he's become he's become you know he's he's almost like Scotland's sweetheart <laughs> you know what I mean er. Uh, yeah. As an actor, I mean, I remember before I moved away from Scotland, uh, the BBC documentary that was that came out that was about the Scottish wrestling scene, mm. and mm-hmm. I think they did. It wasn't just a one-off. I think there might have been three or four episodes of it. And Grado was this is one of the main protagonists. Um, yeah. You know, and, and even then, as when you see him behind the scenes, like a really likable, but also quite funny guy. And he's, he's oh, yeah. you know, he's obviously, he's built this a fantastic career over the last sort of 10 years or so. You know, he's he's in uh, Two Doors Down, the last sort of two mm. or three series of uh, Two Doors Down. And uh, I, I saw a couple of weeks ago he got married. So I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. And <laughs> somebody had filmed like a wee bit of his, uh, his uh, groom speech. And it was really funny. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's a yeah. really dry sense of humour. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, it's funny. I uh, listened to a, a weekly podcast that he's on, uh, Wrestling Daft with Rab Florence, mm. and yeah, it's great. You know, it's very. He's a good guy, and he has done well, as you say. I know him. Yeah, in the early days from the the wrestling. If anyone hasn't seen it, do yourself a favour and just on YouTube, Google, um, Google on YouTube, search for Grado Entrance Shugshus, <laughs> and you'll see him coming out to to like a prayer um, in Glasgow, and just the whole crowd going absolutely mental because that was his entrance song, yeah. Madonna like a prayer. Um, and yeah, he's done so well. Like in terms of, he's he's so funny in Scott School because I think it's the. Maybe because it is one of his first acting jobs as well. It, it is kind of the you know the looks on his face a lot of the time is childlike. You know when, yeah, he's, yeah. when he's got the ice cream and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> he's trying to and the car frosts up and he's like scraping it with his loyalty cards and putting kebab meat on it and stuff. Although it's immediately you like him in the the first episode he's in when um, they find the bag and it's all pirated CDs. <laughs> yeah. And he's singing along, and it's just the, the wonderful line. Is that folk shagging? <laughs> <laughs> Sex noises coming. It's, and also in that scene when he says to PC, sing when he's singing along to the offspring. <laughs> 
pretty fly for a white guy. He's like, oh, sorry, is that racist? It's <laughs> like, I'm not white. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, so he's, he's very good. I mean, there are some, there's some great um, people uh, in this. So uh, the premise of each episode, and it starts off wonderfully, each episode. If you notice that every episode has a little kind of entrance, so it isn't all big mountains, bagpipes and Braveheart. Uh, it isn't all steep crags, castles and Kayleys. It isn't all porridge, pro golf and the proclaimers. Um, it isn't all sweet tablet, tatty scones and tea cakes. Uh, they're the last one. It isn't all William Wallace, wid farms and whiskey. Uh, so the, the creator, Joe, um, said that he was inspired. Uh, he said, one of my favourite TV broadcasts ever is a Ross Kemp documentary about Glasgow that <laughs> aired around about the time that we were taking our early steps on Scott Squad. And he's like, that's kind of the inspiration for a lot of the bits and for his commentary right. that he does. He said, uh, Kemp spent most of his time looking over his shoulder like he was in Kabul. <laughs> <laughs> In reality, he was pacing up and down the same bit of street outside the nice offices in Glasgow's financial district. <laughs> Ever since then, I've got a real kick out of pretending to be the sort of Englishman that knows fuck all about Scotland, but still wants a medal for visiting it. It's like, people complain to me all the time that I'm mispronouncing Scottish words, and he does do that a lot of the show. He does it on purpose. It's like, they'll send messages saying, that's not how you pronounce Sanquar. Yeah. <laughs> but heart. the idea is... You know, he says the whole idea is that I'm meant to be an Englishman in a voiceover booth in Soho that has no idea about Scotland <laughs> yeah. just reading a script and it does come off really well but he is like although he's English his mum's from Greenwich yeah. so he you know, he knows Scotland very well so yeah I, I think the, the narration is a it's genius hilarious. part in it. it's so funny um, uh, <laughs> historically the most northern country in Great Britain <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's random facts that, that go in. What's it? It's um, I think it's when he's speaking about the Beyonce concert, and he's like, Scotland is known for being was it Europe's largest R and B music? Yeah, that's like, market for yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, uh, so I mean, I don't know. The best way probably to talk about the the show is, I mean, do, do we talk about the the partners and and the escapades they get up to yeah. is, is kind of the the best way. So, so where do you want to start then? Shall we start with uh, with Chief uh, Cameron Mickelson, Jack Doherty? Yeah, for sure. In terms of, because he's quite obviously solo in a lot of the episodes until we get Ken Beatty. Yeah. So he is the he's the chief of the new Police Scotland, uh, well, which is unnamed effectively yeah. in this, and yeah, he's just got some some wonderful lines and charisma to the camera <laughs> as the as the figurehead that he has. Yeah. And of course his his three inspirations are the Dalai Lama, <laughs> Ken Buchanan, and Lulu. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> oh, all from Scotland. I, I mean, apart from the Dalai <laughs> and Lulu. You know, she's little, but she can pack a punch. <laughs> um, I'd love. I mean, he's just got some of the best parts of it. But when he's explaining about the, the we need to be like the pizza boys. He's <laughs> like, you know, they get there in twenty minutes, so you get pizza free. Thirty-five acres for pizza. 35B, someone's been stabbed. <laughs> we should be getting there before the pizza, or, or at least at the same time. <laughs> like, you sort of, uh, you, you, you sort of touched on it earlier, but the scene with uh, Fred McCauley, and I'm sure that they probably know each other pretty well. Yeah. 
you know. Um, but the whole act of going on radio to launch a new logo is <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> but when they starts to talk about 1.2 million, it's like, well, I think this logo will last for 1.2 million years anyway. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the same logo with it, the Latin, but it's a pound a year. Flex <laughs> 1.2 million years. It is wonderful in terms of like he's, yeah. And, and you get the impression he does want to, to move the force forward in terms of the new logo. And again, the, the next kind of episode, he's picking the new slogan. And... <laughs> There's some wonderful... Yeah, I'd love to... We're there. Where are you? <laughs> yeah. You know, we're looking for this generation's clunk-click, which was an absolutely fabulous um, campaign. We'll probably be going with we're there so you don't have to be there. And it's got to be we're there so you don't have to be. I think that there, that one there is redundant. But it turns out there's an inherent problem there because you do have to be there. You call us out, there's, we turn up, you've gone then who's, no one's winning there. So we're going to have a rethink there. I'm not quite sure what it will be. We're there. You better be as well. We're there. Where are you? We've got about seven or eight of the words that I think are going to work. We just need to get an order and a sense. We're hoping ultimately to have something that makes sense. For me, I think my favourite, apart from his interactions with Ken Beatty, which has some brilliant <laughs> lines, is uh, it's the start of episode four when he's... <laughs> He's speaking, he's got the map in front of him and he's like up here and down here, pointing to Glasgow. This is where all the action is. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> all quiet up here. Bang, bang, bang. And then suddenly, boom, 16 bodies in a shed. <laughs> <laughs> You're like... And that's kind of true. You do read about these stories of like 16 bodies in a shed in the Highlands all of a sudden. They're like, wow. <laughs> He does have, um, he doesn't tolerate BAMs though, because as he says, that how hard is it to spot a BAM? And then BAM, just make the BAM juice cost £100 a bottle. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> it starts like talking about the virtues of a good cask whiskey. <laughs> yeah, so he is obviously the, the figurehead and, and, the, and the chief, and uh, so he's got to keep his eyes on the numbers as well. But he says. He's going about treason being about a fingernail's <laughs> yeah, worth of files. He's like, if it's any more than that, oof, we're in serious <laughs> trouble. <laughs> I do think um, one of the standout lines of the show is, of course, when, when he's out with Ken Beatty. And, <laughs> and he's he's obviously annoyed because he's wanting to see some police action. And he's like, you know, this is pish, Ken. <laughs> like, you know. And he does say to Ken at one point, who is a, a voluntary officer and he can't get his head right that he's not getting paid for this. Like, why? And he says, you know, Ken said he likes to help out the homeless and he says, you're a hobby, Bobby. You're not Jesus. <laughs> what, what, uh, he says, we're no tramp socks washers. What, what do you think was in that hot water bottle that you made Ken taste? <laughs> I don't want to know. If it was Ken's face didn't seem to enjoy it though. Like when he's telling him to take control of the roads, he's like, release your inner Gandalf. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, he is um he's fantastic. And yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of, of Jack Doherty as an actor, see he was he was an absolutely I mean he he wrote for the BBC mm. um for a while, and then he wrote for Spitting Image, Lenny Henry. Yeah. Um he wrote for Smith and Jones. Then of course absolutely then they did a spin-off of Absolutely with Maury Hunter called Mr. Don and Mr. George. Do you remember that? Yeah, it only ran for one series. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, he was part of um Channel 5's lineup, uh, the Jack Doherty show. Mm. Ran from 97 to 99 and 
it was five nights a week originally. <laughs> then it dropped to four. <laughs> then three. Then it dropped to Tuesday and Thursday. And then it just disappeared completely. Do you think <laughs> from the schedule? Do you think they were trying to? Because like in America, they have the Tonight Show mm. with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. They have the Late Show, don't they? With uh, well, it yeah. was Corden. He was the. The Late Show, wasn't he? But, and yeah. then there's the one that Seth Meyers does. What's the Seth Meyers one? Uh, I don't know. Was that Tonight with Seth Meyers, yeah, I think? Yeah, I think oh. you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, but, and, um, but they're on every night, aren't they? they yeah, so that's only, exactly yeah. it. Was in, it was inspired by Letterman. Right. That was what it was meant to be. So it was meant to be the, the five nights a week. But I think uh, from what I read on the Wikipedia page, it, it was... Uh, it was a bit much and I think Doherty couldn't commit to these five nights like right. he did at the start but then he would have a night off and so it would be called the um, the not Jack Doherty show right. and it would have a stand-in yeah. and I did read that and then he started just taking like weeks off and it would have stand-in hosts um, I think he took like, the whole summer off for school holidays right. and Graham Norton stood in for him mm-hmm. for a few weeks um, and that was Graham Norton's first kind of chat show and that led to him being offered a channel four chat show right. just on those couple of weeks and that year at the british comedy awards uh graham norton and jack doherty were both up for best like presenter mm-hmm. comedy presenter for the jack doherty show <laughs> because norton had guest presented had been such a success and graham norton won <laughs> um which i think jack doherty was not too happy i imagine <laughs> Uh, he's always been a kind of he's always been there Jack Dockey like he's just always so familiar and he presents a lot of shows I think on the BBC like for you know, talking head kind of, right. of shows and I, I like him he's a likeable guy yeah. I did read that he presented the BAFTAs in uh, 1999 I want to say and in his opening speech bear in mind this was 1999 in his opening kind of monologue he spoiled the Sixth Sense ending for everyone <laughs> Which apparently did not go down very well at all. <laughs> I got a lot of time for that kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, I've I've got a lot of time for Jack Docker. He, he comes across. Mm. He's like kind of. He's almost like the Scottish Jack D in a way. Yeah. Like, but not quite as grumpy. Yeah, not quite as doer. He's, uh, it's good to see him in this actually because I, mean, I remember my, my my dad liked him a lot. My dad was a big fan of Absolutely. He used to like saying stories. Like, like my, my, my dad's favourite thing I think ever on a comedy show was the Stony Bridge Olympic spin <laughs> <laughs> on Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just, there was something about that whole sort of premise and sketch about this this little sort of hamlet somewhere in Scotland preparing an Olympic bid just really really tickled my old man. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to try if we can get if we can get all of maybe the first series of Absolutely Anywhere. We should maybe um, do it in a future episode. They're all on the Channel Four player ah well there we go then yeah because i i've considered doing it actually i considered doing it for this instead of scott squad right. but then i decided on scott squad um i actually <laughs> scott squad was one of my third choices because i was something else i was going to do which i will come on to very shortly <laughs> when we speak about another actor right. in this yeah i mean absolutely is fantastic i mean as mcglashan he's wonderful <laughs> i was watching the um the it came up because i think i was searching for jack dockery it came up on my youtube recommendation of them the one where McGlashan cycles to the English border and then just shouts a word that I won't say <laughs> on the episode and then gets back on his bike and cycles away like looking over his shoulder it's just just genius so good but yeah Docker is just is yeah he's so good in terms of the way he talks to the camera the, the other one I forgot was when he's he delivers the big monologue about the um how 
Scotland is the, the only country to have not proven as one of our legals. So we have three. Some countries only have guilty. But we have three not proven, which effectively means, ah, we know, we know. <laughs> we just can't prove it this time. Fair play. You pulled the wool over our eyes, we'll get you but in. we'll be back. <laughs> you know, that reminded me of the time that I was selected for jury duty. I think it's probably okay to... So it, was, it was like 2009 or something, a long time ago. But it was an Airdrie. They had to go to, let's go to like court in Airdrie. And the case was uh, a guy was accused of beating up of beating up his girlfriend's dad with a rounder's <laughs> with a rounder's bat, right? Um and his alibi in like it's supposed to have taken place in like March or April. His alibi was that he was at a, he was having a barbecue at his house at the time of the alleged assault. And so like it was a not proven verdict. That was the majority verdict amongst my fellow jurors. And when you do when you do jury duty in Scotland, the court bailiff kind of looks after you. You know, so he makes sure you know he mm. makes sure that you've got like a cup of tea in the room when you're not when the court's not in session, and you know he gets you sandwiches and just. So after <laughs> I remember it really well. After we had we had sort of given the verdict, we <laughs> we came into the, we came into the wee jurors' quarters behind the court, and the bailiff says, "A barbecue in April. You guys believe that?" <laughs> <laughs> very, this is very good. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't did make me think. Oh, actually, <laughs> uh, can we go back in? Actually, <laughs> we got that wrong. Oh dear. Well, there you go. Not proven. Not proven. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess the the kind of um, the next two. I mean, I I, I think Jack McLaren and Sarah Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Young and Sally Reed as uh, as these two. They kind of seem. I, I would have presumed they were kind of the main characters because they mm. seem to be in a lot of the clips yeah, that you yeah. see on. Um, on the socials, but they're, you know they're, they're very part of just the the ensemble. As you said, they have got great chemistry together, and yeah. they kind of take the piss out of it at the beginning when they're saying how they're great partners and they can talk to each other. Yeah. She's asked, "Did you try my tablet?" No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they they work and they bounce off so well with each other. Really good characters, find them really funny, and yeah, Jack just uh, some hilarious lines as well, um, which I will come on to. But but yeah, really good. Yeah, and I've had. He reminds me, um, Jordan Young. He reminds me a wee bit of um, I can't remember his name. The guy who plays the window cleaner in uh, Gregory's Girl. You know what I'm talking. Oh yeah, uh, um, I do. I know exactly what you're talking about. My name's drawn a blank. Did he not like one of our posts on Instagram? He did. He did. His, his name's a bit of a mouthful. It's a uh, Douglas Sanakin. Doug, that's it. Douglas Sanakin. He, 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 there's something about. I don't know. He just reminds me a wee bit. A wee bit of him. You know, just a little bit. There's yeah. A, I could see that, actually. Yeah, you're right. I know him from uh, a BBC sitcom that I was actually going to pick for this, but I picked Scott Squad instead. Um, have you ever seen it? It's called Legit from uh, no. 2006. I've not seen it's that. Written by, it's written by Rav Florence and Ian Connell. Right. Uh, before Berniston. Right. And it's him and, you know, Stephen McNichol. Yes. Scottish actor. Yes. So... They play two guys, Jordan Young and Steve McDonald play two guys that run uh, a stall, a fictitious 
Glasgow street market stall uh, selling pirate DVDs and computer games. Right. And it's kind of like the... but And Claire Grogan's in it as well. Right. Um, and it's kind of about the just like the scrapes they get up to uh-huh. when they're not on the stall and stuff. It's, it's really good. Um, I think it's I think it's all on YouTube, actually. Right, um, okay. So we'll have to do that at some point. But yeah, I know him from from that and obviously like more famously now from, from Scott's mm-hmm. But yeah, he is... He's very good in terms of the, the kind of cocky young lad cop. He's... He's got some brilliant one-liners, I think, as most of the cast yeah. do. The, when the, the old lady appears in the doorway and he's like, you immediately think, ghost, but then <laughs> logic takes over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the episode where the, the the wee turkey episode, when he's got the bag and going through the names for the cocaine, he's like, Barry Powder. <laughs> Yeah, he's trying to look all uh, impressed. Yeah, Ching, you know, <laughs> Charlie Ching. Uh, that episode when they find out that Wee Turkey wasn't an undercover cop, and he says he was a genuine mink, <laughs> a drug dealer. <laughs> but is um, the the one that made me burst out laughing, and it's just the most realistic as well. I think is the episode where they're looking for the this two headed snowman, yeah. and. He's speaking to the the woman dressed as sexy horses, and of course he says, "If you're a horse, then I'm a jockey." Yeah. Um, but it's it's when they walk away, and he just goes, "Anyone, no fussy, anyone." Yeah. He says to one of them, <laughs> like a Clydesdale, you know, <laughs> big tall lassie. You're a lot of a Clydesdale, you ain't, yeah. But I know, and a good way, and I know. I tell you what, the best looking Clydesdale I've ever seen. No big tall lassie. No, 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 big beautiful Clydesdale, honestly. Watch you don't flip too hard, you might get a bit horse jack. <laughs> Quite cheap. Not really. Tell you what, if you're a horse, I'm a jockey, do you know what I'm saying? I didn't need a mask like that. Well done. I mean, hung like her, hung like her, you know? Lovely, like, thank you. I'm selling all you. See you later, ladies. Bye. All the best. Anyone, no fussy. Anyone. Yeah, so they have some quite good uh, scripts. I mean, kind of underutilised maybe in one of the episodes where they've only got one kind of bit, which is the, the guy... Um, with the the bolt cutters, um, oh. chains himself in the financial district. <laughs> swampy, which, <laughs> Jack, yeah, Jack swampy. Um, although that does uh, result in, I guess, when uh, Jack cuts his um, the handcuffs off, and he's like, tells, gives some <laughs> advice. He's like, it's been an absolute disaster for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, go on Twitter, get yourself a hundred followers, <laughs> then you can maybe get a protest. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> you'll be you'll be toppling governments. <laughs> but you can tell there's you know genuine friendship there, but also a little bit of um, competitiveness because obviously Sarah gets the the poster, poster. of yeah. the the police Scotland and Jack's really pissed <laughs> off about that and you know thinks it was going to be him. Yeah. Um, you can tell, yeah, he's, well, he's says, really not, not says, happy. She says to him, well. But your your arms in there, and he says, well, "Could be anybody. That could that could be anybody. That could be any sort of muscly guy." <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like the yeah everything's kind of they think they've solved everything but everything kind of crops up so the guy obviously with the, the bolt cutters then he handcuffs himself to Sarah then I mean the next episode the guy's the guy's garden getting pelted with morning rolls <laughs> Jack just keeps getting hit with it he's calling them wee fatties and he's like that's it solved it's sorted two days later they were throwing donuts in the garden <laughs> The ones with the holes. <laughs> it's just, it's when she's talking to the guy 
And Jack's like tasting the roll. He's <laughs> like, don't eat it. Suppose the next partnership is uh, is uh, Charlie and Jane, the the, the rural um, officers. Now, can I say I I was probably least invested in this partnership. There were there were a few funny parts but overall uh, I mean I, I could tell obviously I mean yes that the, the whole kind of point is that the Charlie is um quite taken with Jane yeah and would maybe like to go out with her but he's too scared to kind of <laughs> pluck up the courage or he, or he's too just a nice guy you know yeah. he's he's the type of guy that mixing his drink is having three different types of lager <laughs> yeah um at on an a Enya night con- at an Enya concert <laughs> <laughs> Yes, then your concert. You know, as uh, we know from Jane's tales, that she likes getting um, well rattled in Millport, and <laughs> the ice cream wasn't in the cone. <laughs> she's uh, she's led led a little bit more of a, an adventurous life, whereas Charlie's a little bit more uh, yeah straight laced. Um, I don't know. Some of their actually now now I think about it, they do have some very good parts. The the part where they they pick out the drunk woman from the hedge. Yeah, is, that's, a good, that's a good that's a best episode. Sold, I think that one. That is, yeah. I mean, but it is the the girl that they pick up that makes that yeah. kind of thing because she is fantastic. When <laughs> you know the little throwaway lines, like I want to put my shoes on, he's like, oh, "Hold on, I want to put my shoes on." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like it's so proper drunk girl acting, <laughs> and she comes out with you know one of the the funniest lines I think of the the episode or the, or the show is when he's explaining about her her now ex-boyfriend and he's like he was kissing her he was fingering her as well <laughs> he was fucking stink oh no he's, she says he was effing stinking um, she doesn't say fucking it's just the way he, he was fingering her as well uh, yeah that is probably their best episode with that I, I, I quite like the, the part with the farmer dressing up as the cat yeah, that yeah. was quite funny in a way with the, the big reveal but I, other episodes I could have done without the like the grabber machine that just felt a little bit yeah it wasn't I mean the payoff wasn't great but it was quite good like seeing them go to Millport because it was like mm. you know like that we used to always go to Millport that's why my dad went to Millport every summer for his two week holiday at Glasgow Fair and it was a little boy so we've been going to Millport for years, so it was quite cool watching them get the ferry from Largs and um and on the beach at Millport there. But a shame they didn't show the Crocodile Rock. <laughs> but uh, but otherwise, <laughs> maybe a bit of a missed opportunity there. But um but yeah, the kind of payoff wasn't wasn't great apart from that little line that she has about the ice cream not being in the cone ice last cream. time she wasn't here. <laughs> I think uh, probably the last episode has a, a couple of good lines for them though, because um, Charlie does when they. They attend the domestic disturbance. Charlie does say to the guy that women are like horses. They like to have their hair brushed. They like new shoes. And you should never approach them from behind or you'll get a smack in the face. Yeah. I liked him as well with the when they go to the disturbance in the pub and the, the guy's like absolutely roasting Charlie's sister. He's he's a hundred percent professional until Jane comes out and he says something nowhere near as 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 rude as he's been about Charlie's sister and he fucking flips out and grabs him arrests him yeah I believe he says everyone knows your sister from behind It's the line that, yeah, doesn't seem to upset him too much. And then he asks Charlie if he goes on plentyofsheep.com, <laughs> which um, I'm a bit concerned that when I've put that in my notes, that's highlighted it as an actual website. So I'm not going to click on that just to see what comes up. Aberdeen Sporters Club, perhaps? <clears throat> yeah, possibly. Yeah, could be. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I, I did quite like the, the interaction, but 
I don't know, it, it, it was a bit of a weaker part yeah. for me, I think, but it, it kind of wasn't as exciting as um, being with like Jack and Sarah. I mean, it's maybe, it's maybe where the programme had runs into a bit of a problem is that there's a lot of characters in every episode, mm. you know what I mean? Um, they all, all the all the characters in every episode, and they all seem to have similar amount of sort of time. Yeah, you know, and so I maybe I don't know. Maybe it's really difficult to be as consistent when you got when you're trying to create funny situations for so many different actors doing the or so many different characters rather in these sort of policing situations. Yeah, that's very true. Mm. Yeah. I would agree. So yeah, I, I think I guess the, the next kind of pairing if we're keeping it out on the streets and out on the road is, as you, you mentioned, uh, PC Singh and PC Hugh McCurdy um, as the traffic cops. Mm. And they are sort of uh, <laughs> the ones that are, are out in the car chasing down the criminals, but unless a lollipop lady stops them, yeah. which I, I did find quite hilarious. The, the That was in the last episode, is it? The, <laughs> they're per- pursuing a car and the lollipop woman comes out. And <laughs> it's like she's got a vendetta against them because yeah. Grado says she's always doing it. <laughs> yeah. when, when they stop the guy... And it's never explained why, but the two guys, one of the guys is like riding the bike on top of the car. <laughs> and he, he, he won't come down. And Grado was like, get down off the top of the car. It's never really explained why he's up there. Like, Grado's just, he, what's Grado's character's uh, PC Hugh McCurdy? He's, uh, mm. I've, have you ever seen anything? I've never seen anything like that in my life. <laughs> But they have to admit that it's a grey area because he's yeah. like, well, it's, it's you know, what's this? You can sit on the top of a default open top bus. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the argument there. But yeah, um, yeah. they do have. Um, I think my favourite interaction they have, obviously, is the the ice cream fan. Yeah, when they pull pull that over, he's got no insurance, no license, and he doesn't sell sweets. Yeah. Um, he's, he's selling cans. <laughs> From the van, and he's like cans. He's like, I, I'm not selling any spirits. I'm not an animal. Yeah. That was, <laughs> and he's offering, <laughs> offering McCarthy pirate DVDs. Yeah. So, what well, can't get DVDs? And he's like, what pirates? And he's like, hi. <laughs> I can't play them in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, like, but that scene, uh, the, the scene with them that you touched on earlier when they've been waiting ages in the kebab shop for a munchy box. <laughs> <laughs> they get a shout and the car's all frozen up so they've been in the kebab shop for too long. Because I love that they get 50% off kebabs, but <laughs> they don't get anything off the fruit and veg shop. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> PC like... Singh's cousin owns. <laughs> um, what a waste using the kebab meat to kind of defrost the windscreen. <laughs> no. Why would you think that would work? It's just... Kind of made me fancy a kebab, though. It's when Grado's like, oh, pakora! <laughs> I'll be roasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great. I mean, I think um, I think we get a bit more. So I was just saying now we all seem to get the same amount of screen time, but I actually, in hindsight, think that maybe they they two don't don't see as much yeah. of them. But I did like in the pilot episode, uh, PC Signs' original partner when they when they find the car parked squinty on the curb outside the bowling club. It's like in my experience, uh, it'll be a woman or a pensioner. <laughs> And PC Singh does say we don't like to, um, you know, go assumptions or somebody. He's like, no, it'll be a woman or a pensioner. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the guy that's pissed um, when he's got his keys and that they're saying he can't drive, he is, he's brilliant as well when he's trying to drive. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm just checking the door opens and shuts. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> when they get the boot open and uh, PC sings climbing in, and he's like, oh, <laughs> climbing in there. But yeah, you're right. I think they, they probably only get maybe like one scene, probably per episode. It mm. does seem to be a. It, it never really comes back to them as such. <laughs> Although there is a. I, I think it's in episode two. It does come back to them. It's a very quick one. And and they're speaking about their relationship and you just get like a quick cut scene of um, McCurdy asking Sing all these random questions <laughs> I just cracked up and he's like do you think they'll ever make a full box set of EastEnders <laughs> <laughs> you think that's great though like improvising <laughs> possibly it wouldn't surprise me some of the, the questions he asks <laughs> it's what PC signs like it's like it's like I'm Obi Wan and you're Luke Skywalker. It's like what's that? It's like Star Wars. I don't watch that. <laughs> see, see, I'm learning already. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, because what what is it he calls? Oh yeah, he calls PC Singh the machine, <laughs> and PC Singh doesn't like it. But it's like I'd love a like nickname. I'd love a nickname, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not forthcoming. Giving it one. <laughs> Okay, I mean, there's, there's three kind of cops left to talk about. Well, I think we'll save the best for last. Um, okay, uh, well, Maggie LeBeau is yeah. the call centre worker. Uh, I thought the first part was a bit funny, but then it quickly got quite dull and um, <laughs> kind of the same joke, yeah. you know, kind of over and over again. I mean, there's only so far, I guess, you can go with a, a call centre worker. Well, the, um, the, the episode where she's, which is in the night shift, I thought she was quite funny. When she's trying to stay awake and she's doing, yeah. she's doing the splits and she's doing like star jumps and she's got like her... her Earpods in under her under her headphones yeah. and all that. You know, I thought it was going to be promising because I think in the the pilot episode, um, she does say that they get a lot of calls of retailers selling multi pack crisps <laughs> separately, which <laughs> I thought was a good. That made me laugh a lot, but then it just kind of went downhill after that for poor Maggie LeBeau. But I thought that was that was a very good one. She reminded me a wee bit of um, to the point where I thought it was. But then I realised it wasn't. But in the first episode when she's got her haircut short, that sort of spiky, mm. short, sort of toy haircut, mm-hmm. I thought it was, you know, the actress from Our Ladies who plays the girl that's unwell. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She looks a wee bit like her around the face, I thought. Yeah. But uh, I, I I quite liked her. I thought she was quite funny. I mean, I think, I think you're right. I mean, you, you, it's only so much she can do with that scenario. But they don't, you know, like her scenes are a bit sort of short and snappy I think I think so I mean it's, it's a bit of maybe a welcome not welcome relief but it's a bit different from just following the guys mm-hmm. on the street maybe so it's kind of a you know this is the other side because there's one episode you have the IT guy but he's literally in just one scene yeah. and never spoken of again yeah which, yeah, was a bit strange. But I don't know if maybe... I know they do add characters later on, mm-hmm. so I don't know if maybe there is something a little bit more there. Maybe. And then, of course, we have our volunteer officer, Ken Beatty, uh, played by James Allenby Kirk. Ken's a... He's a lovely... He's just a good-natured, lovely character, just wants to help. He gives soup to the homeless and helps out the prostitutes. He doesn't say how he helps out the prostitutes, <laughs> but that's a, a wonderful way of saying it. Uh, big Beyonce fan. I mean... Um, and one of my favourite lines in the series has to be the t-shirt vendor when <laughs> <It> says, <laughs> says crazy in love with these t-shirts you will be <laughs> it's fucking absolutely slayed me 
<laughs> I mean, God, being a, a you know hobby bobby or you know community officer. I mean, obviously they, we, they do a very valuable job and um, thoroughly respect them. But fucking hell, you've got kind of none of the authority really and all of the hassle mm-hmm, mm. of being a cop. But Ken Beatty loves it and gets some interesting crimes. I mean, the, the Jamie Lee in the the first episode of um, somebody's been stealing our knickers <laughs> from the washing line. She's she's a great character as well, which crops up in a couple of episodes. Yeah. and you kind of get the call back. I do like the when he's like, "Have you asked your neighbour?" And he's like, I don't talk to that cow. It just <laughs> such a lovely kind of throwaway line. That <laughs> so realistic the, as well. The irony is obviously nobody's stealing her knickers because she's got loads of pairs that she. <laughs> she keeps saying I've got none left apart from the tons of pairs that she's put in poor Ken's lap. But yeah, Ken um, is just a a lovely little character mm. he's just such a lovely guy of course the second episode is when he's at beyonce at the hydro and uh, the hydro and then um, the guy tells him the password is destiny and <laughs> yeah. uh, he's got his, his, his t-shirt says beyonce <laughs> yeah see i wasn't sure if that was meant to be a joke that that was the tour was called the beyond say or if it was the guy selling dodgy yeah, t-shirts I think it was just the latter printed I think. The, it was meant to be okay that it was meant to be there but um he does come into his own i think in the uh the last episode where cameron does join him on the on the beat mm. and as i say it's brilliant when he's like they're going up the zigzags and he's like well we'll go up the zigzag and then we'll go over there and yeah cameron just loses it this is Pish, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> this is pish. Make something happen. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was going to give you a medal. And then when he starts crying, he's like, oh, don't start greeting. And yeah. <laughs> you really feel sorry for Ken. But then he you know, comes out of it at the end when he's... Oh, <laughs> medal. He starts saying, thou shall not pass when he's trying to break up a fight. Yeah. <laughs> and gets his wee medal, which is lovely. Um, I saw a, a clip from, I think it was series three or four. And I was like, who's that? And I was like, holy fuck, it's Ken Beatty. Mm. Now, the actor, I, I kid you not, a quarter of the size. Well, lost the weight, like, did he? Weight, yeah. Um, for 18 months, he had an undiagnosed tapeworm <laughs> and lost. I know, it's not funny, but it's like, fucking hell. He lost all that weight over 18 months because he had a tapeworm. Where the fuck did he get and a tapeworm from? Fuck knows, man. <laughs> fuck knows. Well, he did say that he never washed his hands before picking up dead birds, but Cameron <laughs> did tell him to do that, so maybe that's where he picked it up from. He's in a 24 live another day. Oh, is he really? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So maybe that's what maybe that's what he lost the weight. For. No, no, that's the, that came out the same year as the first Steve's a Scott Squad, so it can't ah. be. But uh, yeah, he gets his outstanding bravery medal for uh, setting about those three DOS Raj bams, <laughs> as uh, Cameron calls them later on. Um, and then the, the last kind of twosome that you have, um, which say maybe I think it's my favourite for the last is. Um, <laughs> Uh, Bobby Muir, uh, Darren Connell as uh, Bobby Muir and um, Sergeant Karen, Officer Karen, as she's uh, referred to. So Bobby is this guy that comes into the station every day to speak to Officer Karen. And it's wonderful the little intro you get on on Bobby, just in terms of the, they won't take my ginger bottles. I I kicked a duck up the bum. (laughs) Someone unfriended me on Facebook and they put my face on a pig and tagged me. So you've painted over the graffiti? I painted all over it. In bongo jazz? Yeah, bongo jazz. It's Uncle Jeffy's favourite colour. You've done a good thing, Bobby. Thank you. Take a note of uh, what the bad words were, but don't give me any Okay, what did it say? It says, uh, Sandra is a dirty cow. 
I don't know who Sandra is. I don't know if she's dirty, and I don't know if she's a cow. But it was bad. I um, whenever it cut to Officer Karen, I genuinely was like, "Oh, brilliant! Bobby's the way to come in," because mm. I knew it was going to be something hilarious. He has two of the lines that made me cry, <laughs> in um, like with laughter in this, without a doubt. Um, in fact, three, I think. Um. The one that I think made me laugh the most is, this will never not be funny to me, is um, in the second episode where he's lost his dog fridge and <laughs> he's looking at photos of the dogs. And on the second photo, he says, that's no fridge. He looks like an arsehole. <laughs> and <laughs> someone describing an animal or a child as an arsehole will never not be funny to me. It's the fact he's calling a dog an arsehole. I just burst out laughing. Um and of course, when uh, when he blames the other sergeant of uh, calling him a specky hot dog, that's um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Bobby, just a a fantastic character, and I, I don't know, like, are, are we meant to feel bad for laughing at him because he's obviously I don't know. Well, he's, is he? Um, I don't. I don't know. I think. I mean, they, they sort of play it quite well because he just. It, it, I think it comes off like he just is maybe a wee bit lonely, and he just likes. Officer Karen, they but not necessarily in a. He's not necessarily attracted to her, but he's just a sort mm. of lonely guy. Although I haven't said that in the later episodes, he's getting invited out to trolley boy balls and stuff and fancy <laughs> dress parties and things. So maybe maybe he's not as lonely. Maybe he's just a bit infatuated with Officer Karen. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, because it's not as if it's the the police in general. Because when he she's on night shift and he comes in every day, and it, it, that's a great when he's getting. Getting more and more frustrated, and then he throws his jacket at the cop, yeah. and then comes back in. Can I have my jacket back, please? <laughs> so I was reading about I was reading about Darren Connell, who plays Bobby, and apparently he's mates with Kevin Bridges. Mm. And, and uh, Kevin Bridges, he was doing a bit of comedy and holding down a full time job as well. And Kevin Bridges persuaded him to give up the job and to go full time into comedy and he's he's, he's 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 done quite well and he's done a lot of stuff around the Edinburgh Festival and things like that but uh, he's he's perfect as um, and I, th- I think he brings the character of Bobby into some of the other things that he does um, mm. but he's he's perfect as <laughs> he's perfect in this part as Bobby it's absolutely hilarious it's just yeah fantastic when he comes in and says that he's had a colonic irrigation you know how when you cross the lights at the street and you see like signs on the lamppost uh-huh. I seen an ad and it was for a colonic interrogation and I thought I would phone it and see what it was do you mean a colonic irrigation I, uh, yeah that because the next thing I knew, I was in this woman's garage. You know how, like, in your office and stuff, you've got that big tub of water? And she was like, it was going all the way into my bum. You do know that is basically what a colonic irrigation is. It's um, inserting a, a, a tube and then flushing out someone's someone's back passage with water. Really? Yeah. I, ne- I never knew that. You should have seen the, the stuff that was coming out. I mean, bits of carpet were coming out. And, like, a, I'm sure a bit of Lego came out as well. Right. Don't get me wrong, I feel brilliant after it, but it's just I thought I was going to get an Indian head massage and she stuck a tube up my bum. I mean, I don't know how uh, uh, <laughs> Karen Barkey, who plays 
Officer Karen. I don't know how she keeps no a straight face. I mean, the, the, I would love to see some outtakes because she must, you know, if she's if she's actually a human being, she must like fall to pieces occasionally when. And then when he says, uh, uh, "Don't get me wrong, I feel brilliant. I feel a lot lighter." <laughs> like it's, <laughs> she's she she genuinely interested yeah, in how is. you know how do you feel? Yeah, like yeah. so, it makes me think she does kind of as much as um, rolls her eyes and is probably sick of him. Like she does genuinely quite care for him in terms of asking. You know, how do you feel? She's like, oh. Don't get me wrong, I feel brilliant. I feel a lot lighter. Is it because she kind of cares for him or is she just interested in the effects of a colonic negation? Yeah, that's possibly it because she does seem like she's kind of interested in potentially getting one. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> was I it? think that possibly what, is. What was it he thought he was going for? An Indian head massage. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Swimming, sticking a tube up my bum. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. So I, I, Karen and Bobby are just absolutely fantastic yeah. in, in terms of this. And as you say, I don't know how she managed to keep a straight face. Um, yeah. With some of the things he comes out with, and it is just some of the one-liners <laughs> um, that he has. I say, calling the dog an arsehole just forever. <laughs> well, uh, we'll leave. But yeah, it's when he, his bits of carpet came out his arse. <laughs> just, a bit of Lego. Don't quite know how that got up there. So. Uh, but yeah, because I think um, I did read that he is, um, the actor did say, because he was nominated for a, a BAFTA for his performance as Bobby right. in the first series, but um, he didn't win. Um, was it a BAFTA or was it a Scottish Comedy Award? I think it was a BAFTA. Um, yeah, it was BAFTA. Right. A new Talent Award. Um, right. But yeah, I did read that because Scott Squad's kind of ended, he's kind of said he's done with acting. Right. Like he's he's gonna concentrate on his comedy, but mm-hmm. I think he's he's fed up of not being offered acting roles. And I presume it's maybe because he's been kind of typecast as, as Bobby or if he's, you know, suffering to, to get anything else. Maybe. I don't know, sure. I'm not sure. I mean, but as I say, I think he has used that character elsewhere, you know. Mm. But uh no, good for him. I mean I, I I'm not I never really come across him before um i watched this today so i'll maybe um have to see if any of his stand-up or something is on uh hmm. but I, I don't know if he does his stand-up in the character of bobby or not i think um he did um did say i think one of the series they, they'd filmed part of it and then covid hit hmm. so then they had to a bit of a break and then they came back to film the next part of the series and he'd got really fit over covid right so they were like none of his clothes fit him anymore for the character. So like they had to adjust everything because he'd <laughs> spent his time getting a uh, super fit. Yeah, I did read that they had a bit of trouble when they were filming this in Glasgow at times, like because people thought they were real cops, so they used to get balls thrown at them <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> I mean, you can see Which, um, in some of the scenes, you can see uh, people sort of looking over in the background. You know what yeah. I mean? Who they maybe just sort of far enough away to not realise that they're filming or whatever. You know, and 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 this yeah. uh, this one of the early scenes when um, Jack and uh, Sarah are called to the domestic disturbance, mm. and you know Jack's talking to the girl when um, Sarah yeah. takes guys downstairs, and she is like the actress there is. P- pissing herself that he's pattern. <laughs> like, you know like she's sort of she's sort of into it to begin with and then she if you watch the scene she can't stop laughing as he's trying to chat her up and like some of the they even like the the guy with the house that's being pelted with, with rolls and donuts 
they, they those car those people don't seem like actors. They like as Yo. such, they just seem like and and it, it's quite clever because it does sort of lend a bit of that reality television vibe to it. You know, because mm. when you have like a yeah. reality TV show about the police, for example, which this is a bit of a parody of, you spend time with the police officers. And they mm-hmm. tend to become comfortable to some extent with the camera in their yeah. face. And then when they're mm-hmm. talking to somebody who's made a complaint or they are, they're arresting somebody who, you know, who's never been in camera at all, it's sort of the way it's portrayed in Scott Squad. It's quite clever. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's very true. Never thought about that, but you're completely right. Um, when we do have those fly on the wall kind of documentaries, um, it is, you're right, the, the police officers do get used to the camera and are mm. used to being talking heads, but the members of the public are a little bit off. Yeah. Um, I, I did like, as you mentioned in that domestic disturbance, Jack obviously takes a dislike to the guy because he's trying to find out the girlfriend and he is talking head to the camera. He says, you can tell very quickly if someone is a dickhead and I could tell in 10 seconds he was a cock. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I... Um, like I say, I, I think I'd never really watched it because for some reason, iPlayer never had the full series. They've, right. they, they used to have the, the most recent series, but every time I looked, I'm like, well, I don't want to start on series five. Yeah, I yeah. want to start on series one. Whereas now, I think I'd have no issue just dipping in and out of an episode because I'm sure it's not a... It's not linear. You know, yeah. It's not a continual yeah, story. Yeah. I think it does... Slightly, maybe in the later series, with the introduction of new characters, right? There might be something that that develops, but I think you could probably, yeah, dip in on on random episodes and still, you're not going to have missed out on any deep development plots or anything. So I think it, it's that kind of show, and I'm definitely going to continue watching it. But I think I'll have a break, uh, you know, because I think it could be if you binged on it, you would get sick of it a little bit, maybe. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's that's uh, yeah. You know, because I suppose it's sort of you know when you, if I think about like a like a sitcom that you can just throw on and have on in the background, it might be something like say the Big Bang Theory or something like that, where there's enough mm. there's enough variety in the storyline. Whereas yeah. with something like Scott Squad, it's you know I mean it's it's the the variety is is in the crimes I suppose and the, yeah. how the officers react to them, but the setup is the same you know what i mean whereas it could get yeah you got to your point you have to dip in and out a wee bit yeah i think that's the thing because you know pretty much most episodes you're gonna obviously start with cameron mickelson then Mm. invariably it's usually jack and sarah and then or you know singing mccurdy swap them about you'll have a little bobby scene then you'll go off to you know the country then it's maggie the bow then yeah yeah. yeah, it kind of follows the every kind of um episode so it does follow that structure going forward then i can see it could get a bit repetitive but i'm I'm sure they mix things up i mean i'm really glad that we watched it and i did Mm. really enjoy it and it is it you know to say there's some points even recording this we've been in stitches (laughs) just some of the lines you know and it's very much isolated lines and i would love to know how many of those were ad-libbed and just in terms of the improvised i think probably quite a few um would have been yeah um, a lot yeah it'd be very interesting to find that out yeah i think so i think yeah definitely bits of carpet came out probably must be him (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean there 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 is a bit of a foreshadowing uh line that um jack docherty says when he's talking about morals and he says he'll leave mm. the morals to lenny henry and philip schofield <laughs> yes i 
did have that written down. I forgot about that. Yes, um, that is uh, something that maybe yeah he shouldn't be leaving his models to. <laughs> no, indeed, indeed, definitely not. Uh, yeah, leave models to Bono, Lenny Henry, and Philip Schofield, and all that lot. Don't know whoever all that lot is. Um, <laughs> I think his last his, his last bit. I forgot about that part. Is uh, when he's speaking about if there's a crime, there's a victim, and he says if you're in Spain and your house gets burgled, did it happen? <laughs> you know someone's taking all your stuff and taking a dump in your kettle then you know, that's lovely imagery to leave you on yeah. there uh yeah so anything else on scott squad greg no i think it's uh i think it's time to put it through our culture Swally awards um a bit okay. of a bit of a, a an unusual one to put through our awards i would say this week mm. you know um yeah there's not a, a huge amount i would say but yeah Let's see. Indeed. Okay, so we'll start off then with uh, the James Cosmo Award for being in Neverton mm. Scottish. Um, I went with Jack Doherty. I also went with Jack Doherty. I think if we had picked this up <laughs> in like Series 6, we could have gone with like Julie Nimmo. Uh, yeah. Uh, Miss Hooley from Balamori and lots of other credits mm-hmm. under her belt. Um but yeah, I think Doherty is just because he's the most recognisable um, mm. actor in, in, in the show at this stage. Um yeah. Okay, next then is the... It's sort of redundant one, because I don't think there's any pubs. We're not in any pubs, are we? There's not. I put down the Tramps hot water bottle, <laughs> just in case. Oh, oh, well, actually, no. Um, The ice cream van, I guess, yep. would count as a pub, would it? Or oh, it's more of an off-licence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's the there's the scene outside the pub in the last episode with Charlie when he when he huckles oh, the guy yeah. for uh but Aye. that looked like a nice country pub actually. It did, it did. Um okay. Um next then the Jake McQuillan Yartizu Award. What'd you go for here? Um I went with Jack getting pelted with the rolls. Oh well, I did well, there was <laughs> I went there's something there's something really funny about something as innocuous as a roll just bouncing off a authority figure's head. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's more, it's more, it's more the way he reacts to it that makes it, that makes it so golden. But um, I just think it's funny. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, it's it's the it's the ridiculousness yeah. of it all. Though. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just it's sheer comedy. Um, next then is the Hugh McGregor Award for gratuitous nudity. Now the only bit that I, the only sort of possible nude thing that I picked up was in the credits. There's a bit mm. of an image of uh, Officer Karen leading a naked guy to the cells. <laughs> Yes. We don't actually see it in the show. Um, no, I have put naked guy in opening credits mm-hmm. for that because that's the only thing. I mean, it's a. I think it went out at like nine thirty, but you know, there's there's not really. It's obviously no nudity, and there's not. Um, well, walk up the swearing award shortly. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, come on to it right now. So the uh, the Francis Beckpay Award for gratuitous swearing. So for this one, although it's beeped out, <laughs> it made me laugh, and it's when Doherty. Jack Doherty and uh, Ken are out on the beat mm-hmm. and Ken's just picked, he's just uh, pulled up the litterer and uh, <laughs> was behind him and grabs him by the shoulder he speaks to my officer like that again and I'll maybe laugh a lot would you go for um, I had that as well mm-hmm. but then I was like well if that doesn't count I had just later on in the episode when they're on the zigzag bridge and he just goes Ken this is pish yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because there's not really anything. There's a couple. I mean, obviously you've got arsehole pish. Um, the drunk girl in the bush. I think she says twat twice. Yeah. Um, but again, 
they're not. But they sort of beep it so, out. I think they kind of beep. There's some scenes where swearing's beeped out, but I think it's beeped mm. out more for the fact that it makes it a bit more realistic when in parody yeah. in these sort of shadow and the police documentary series you know yeah because they'd be beeped out because you know like i'm trying to think the ones that was the michael um what's his name mike used to present the bbc news michael burke michael burke yeah so he used to do like traffic cops uh documentaries mm. and things didn't he when he would like he would yeah. he would present the kind of segues and then that would just be the cameras out with the traffic cops so I, it does make it yeah. quite realistic you know that was 999 yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay, next then, archetypal Scottish moment. What'd you go for here? I went with the intros to each episode that <laughs> I went through earlier mm-hmm. on. I find them quite funny, but I did laugh, and I, it, it's a, it's just a, for me, I think it's a very Scottish term, and I think it's at the end of maybe episode one, where Jack Doherty, I would just call him, it's Cameron Mickelson, yeah. we'll just keep calling him Jack Doherty because it's easier. He is trying to explain about cutting costs, and he's like, does everyone need a computer? Or he's like, hat sharing, we're looking <laughs> into hat sharing. Or a motorbike with a triangle of men coming down. Imagine that coming down the road. Oh, cheesy peeps. Uh, so I went with cheesy peeps because it's just such a Scottish thing to say. That, that whole little monologue was fucking hilarious. <laughs> We're looking into hat sharing. It's fucking brilliant. It's more like he's, he's talking about what they what were they called the kind of white helmets, like the pyramid of ga- of like uniform guys on the on the motorbikes. Um, just how how criminals will be like shocked and surprised when they see a pyramid. Of, it's fucking. I don't know how. I mean, I, and that feels like that was entirely ablimed. Do you know what I mean? Just just him just fucking going where his mind takes him. I mean, that's absolutely hilarious. Uh, what about yourself? What did you go for? Um, I went with ice cream vans selling all sorts of <laughs> stuff that they to sell. <laughs> you know something? That's spot on, actually. <laughs> I think you could have, you've, you've won that, yeah. Um, <laughs> Definitely. And then last one, I mean, I think it's a bit of a fait accompli, but uh, who do you, who who wins it for you? I, I mean, I give a, a big shout out. Darren Connell as Bobby. Like, as I say, whenever Bobby appeared on screen, I was looking forward to it, see what he was doing or Officer Karen. But it, it's Jack Doherty that wins it for me. He's just has so many throwaway standout lines, but it's the consistency, I think, as well. Because Bobby's very funny and, yeah. and great, but it's it's the consistency of Doherty's character anytime. I think every scene he in there's something funny you know and and a lot of burst out loud and it's the deadpan delivery of it as well like i say you know yeah. bang 16 bodies in a shed it's um yeah fantastic what about yourself doherty yeah or- I, give, I give it to doherty just i saw i had to kind of put it with sort of like out like outbursts of laugh like outbursts of laughter in a her sort of uh scene and he definitely i mean and that whole bit about the the kind of pyramids of um police officers riding on three motorbikes oh, i had to pause it i had to pause it i was i was absolutely crying my eyes out i just thought it was absolutely hilarious oh yeah 
I think I'll. Uh, I could watch a, a a good bit about um a good lot of clips of um of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking through my notes, every scene that I'm kind of that I've written Cameron for, I'm I'm remembering and kind of burst out <laughs> laughing just in my head thinking about how good it is. Um, there's a stu- little thing as well, like when he goes to BBC and they have to go and get a pass for him and stuff, and the other guy comes up and he just lets him in. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was the first series of Scott Squad. As I say, it's available on BBC iPlayer at the moment. I don't think the pilot episode is available, but the first four episodes of series one are. Um, so unfortunately, if you don't watch the pilot, you'll miss out on the, the triangle bike thing that we've just spoken <laughs> about. But I might put that clip in at the end of the show. Uh, but I think it is available on YouTube. So if you look for Scott Squad series one, you should be able to find yeah, it somewhere if, 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 on if, if, if you can find it on YouTube, we can maybe find you. Know, we can maybe hook you up with a couple of guys <laughs> get you the pilot. Send us a message. <laughs> yeah, send us a message. Uh, well, on Instagram, we'll be able to uh, to sort you out with a link for it. Uh, okay, Greg. So Scott Squad was my choice on the Swally. So it's your choice on the next episode. So why don't you tell us what we're going to be looking at on the next episode of the Swally? Well, I came across this because I I, I thought that. Um, Jordan Young was great as uh, PC Jack McLaren in um, Scott mm. Squad. So I was trying to see what else he'd been in. And I've come across this film, uh, which is set in Scotland. It's from 2013. Uh, it stars George Mackay of uh, Sunshine on Leith fame and other mm. things. Directed by Paul Wright. The film's called For Those in Peril. Uh, the synopsis is Aaron, a young misfit living in a remote Scottish fishing community, is a lone survivor of of a strange, a strange fishing accident that claimed the lives of five men, including his older brother. So, in the interest of seeing a bit more of um, Jordan Young and to see if George Mackay can uh, sustain his so-so Scottish accent from Sunshine and Leith, I'm picking that for the next episode. I'm just um, having a little look at the the cast. Greg, very good choice. It's mm. also got Kate Dickey does in yep, it, yep. and Michael. Brian McCarty. And Michael Spiley of from um, yeah uh, from Spaced and other things. So yeah, fantastic. I've never okay, heard. Of- yeah, I've never. No, never heard of that. So I'll look forward to watching that. Yeah, wonderful. All right, for those in peril next time mm. on the Culture Swally. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show and enjoyed us just laughing at <laughs> Jack Docherty. Scott Squad, effectively. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically quoting Jack Dockery and Bobby Lines to each other for the last <laughs> hour or so. Um, if you have, if you want to get in touch, if you want to see Scott Squad and you can't find it anywhere, then drop us a line. We'll get sorted out. Um, <laughs> you can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com if you have any requests or if you've seen any news stories you'd like us to cover or if you just want to get in touch and say hello, feel free to drop us a line. And you can follow us on the socials at Culture Swally Pod on Instagram and at Swally Pod on Twitter. And you can go to our wonderful website as well, can't you, Greg? You can indeed. You can find us at uh, cultureswally.com. You can find links to all the episodes and uh, the, the blog post here or there, the odd article here or there. And we should say that uh, we, as time has wore on, uh, we're getting more and more very kind comments and interest and interaction on our socials and we'd read everyone and we do appreciate it I mean I think you know read everyone because mm. we, we respond to everyone yeah and um, so we're not quite at that level yet but we're working up toward it we're, we're, we're trying to get to a level where we can we've got a good excuse to not respond um, but we're not quite there yet so for now expect a response <laughs> 
Lovely. Right, well, thank you very much. Are you up to anything else exciting today, Greg? Uh, no, I mean, I've, I've drank like five cans of lager during the course of the podcast, so the most exciting thing will be trying to smuggle the five empty cans past my family in the other room, <laughs> get them in the recycling bin before the, the uh, eyes of recrimination and judgment are pointed my way. What about yourself? Uh, no, well, I've, I've been very good. I've had three cans of uh, non-alcoholic lager, so I don't have to worry about smuggling, which is very rare for me, because normally I do. Um, <clears throat> uh, no, nothing exciting. It's Saturday night, so probably go and watch a film or something, but I don't know what. We'll just have to see. Mm. Um, yeah, so wonderful. Maybe I will recommend for those in peril right. to my wife. Yeah, indeed. Probably won't, because I'll have to find it first. Um, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And until next time, Greg. Until next time. Motorbikes. Motorbikes is, is one that I'm interested in, actually. Motorbikes. You know, the display boys, you can get about 15 on three of their bikes. Now, so that's... Do we need 15 bikes or three bikes? Three bikes is probably enough. Now, whether you can respond, whether your boys, you can all turn up in the big triangle, the cheese triangle, to the crime is another, that's another matter. But think about it. 999, that's co- coming round the corner. Cheesy peeps, man, huh? Imagine, I mean, the, your criminal's going to be, oh. But, I mean, if it's drug crime, imagine if you're off your head. You're off your head and you see this coming, whoa, coming round the corner. You're just, you're turning yourself in. So that's what I'm saying. I'm looking for cuts that make sense. <laughs> <laughs>